folks, what's going on? Welcome to another edition of the Live Life Aggressively Show. This is Mr. Hogan, and got my man Mike Mall on the other side. Hey, man, what's going on? Um, kind of jealous right now. Kind of the weather out there is like pretty cool. Like it's cold in yeah. Vegas. Are you serious right now? <laughs> no, it's definitely not cold. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, well, you know, people love Vegas. I saw it was like in the 50s, and people are like, "Oh my God, it's cold in Vegas." I'm like, "Are you serious right now?" It was 23 in Texas two days ago. <laughs> meanwhile, meanwhile, it's 82 today, two days later. So, yeah, suffice it to say, there's a lot of people. Well, I mean, it reminds me up. when I visited I visited my parents in Kenya, and it was 60 degrees out, maybe 55 at night, and all of the guards would have these long trench coats on and gloves, and <laughs> they're standing around a fire. <laughs> my brother and I are walking around with shorts and a T-shirt. <laughs> Not typical African weather, relevant. man. <laughs> Yeah, no, right now it's perfect. I mean, Vegas never really gets that cold by my standards. I grew up back east, Washington, D.C. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't even own a jacket. The most I have out here is maybe a flannel Wait. shirt or a thick flannel shirt, something like that. And I don't, get, I don't get cold easily either. You know, if you have really good circulation, you don't get cold to a point, obviously, if you're an answer. Exactly. Yeah, so we're going to start off this year with definitely our, one of our most downloaded guests, if not our most downloaded guest, Christian Thibodeau. Christian, great to have you back on, man. Happy New Year. Well, you know, I, I'm listening to you guys. Like, it's it's in the minuses here. I mean, I don't care how good look, how good your circulation is. You're gonna get cold <laughs> if you come to Canada. Hey, I said yeah, to you, a point, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you can have that, man. Pass way past here. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, if it's 60 degrees and you're cold, it's you're unhealthy. <laughs> you <know? laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. I mean, come on. <laughs> I mean, yeah. some weather people are like people that are always complaining about how cold they are. I mean, I know people where even sometimes it's it's summer here and someone walks into an air conditioned room and they have to put a jacket on. And they're like, oh, it's cold. And it's like, come on, it was just yeah. you just walked in from 120 degrees and you're cold <laughs> already. The last erection was probably 10 years ago. <laughs> Your last erection was 10 years ago. Is that what you said? <laughs> well, I'm married. I've been married for 10 years, Mike. <laughs> Seems like the temperatures are not the only thing in a negative, Christian. <laughs> I got, I got, I got to send you some of my tea booster, man. Come on. Well, you were the one talking about our shrinkage actually helped your deadlift. <laughs> well, I didn't say me specifically. I said it in general that could happen. <laughs> I always wear really tight me undies just to make sure I have good clearance. <laughs> <laughs> One thing we were talking about before we started recording is the difference between being explosive and, and applying acceleration. Mm -hmm. And I think that's I think there's a very delineated difference that often is confusing. When you when you tell someone to lift the weight fast, they often think, okay, explode. Mm -hmm. But I think exploding only works for a certain fiber type, right? Like someone who's really fast twitch, they explode. It's going to work because they can move things quickly. Someone like me who's more slow twitch, I try to explode. It's not going to be powerful enough for me to get the weight from point A to point B. So I find that accelerating, trying to move the weight quickly, but also in a smooth manner, like deadlifting. If I try to explode in the deadlift, the weight will come off the ground maybe two inches, and then it stalls. And then I'm stuck in that position trying to finish it. And well, I if I accelerate, it'll, I'll get it to my knees before it starts slowing down. And if I can get it to my knees, I don't care how heavy it is. I'll finish it. Well, I think there's also other issues with the explode cue. First of all, right. I believe that exploding can only work in linear movement. And right, the deadlift, right. even though you think you're lifting in a straight line, you're not. You have a right. slight inward arc when you're lifting right. it. 
So, so if you explode, what happens, and I, I was actually coaching uh, Canada's strongest man, uh, Jean-François Caron, this weekend, last weekend. I was coaching him on the snatch. And what uh-huh. I told him is that the moment you think I explode is the moment you stop controlling the barbell. Exploding uh, is kind of like catapulting the weight in the air. And when that right, happens, right. the weight is moving straight up in the direction you're applying force. So if you try to explode, for example, on a deadlift off the floor, the bar will be enough forward to actually kill the, the exercise. Yeah. So any exercise where the movement is not strictly linear, you can think explode. You yeah. have to think of, as you mentioned, accelerate. And also, as you mentioned, uh, if you can't produce enough momentum from that very small window of acceleration, then the bar will, the bar will die on its way up. So, of yeah. course, that is one problem. And with squats, I don't like to see sloppy technique where someone yeah. drops really fast and then try to bounce oh, out of it. I think you should have a slow descent, controlled, pause, at parallel or just below, no, my, and then I, I, I out quickly. Agree more. I couldn't agree yeah. more. And so as much as what, the way I'm squatting right now, all my squats are done from pins from the bottom position. Yeah, bottom position. I either yeah. do zombie, like Frankenstein squats, so I'm like a front squat, but with the arms extended in front of me, so I can't, I can't cheat even one inch. Uh, ah, and right, I from the bottom right. from pins, or I do Anderson squats, which are back squat with the bar starting on on pins from from the bottom. Yeah. Uh, so that's how I'm squatting right now, so because I have a very efficient stretch reflex, and I don't want to use it. Otherwise, I don't build my legs. And I've noticed that right. my legs have grown grown significantly, and I'm not sore after my workouts. Whereas yeah. in the past, when I would use the bounce, I couldn't squat more than once, sometimes twice in a 10-day period, because my vastus lateralis would get super sore, like at yeah. the point of the tendon insertions. Now, the bottom position is really, it's a really interesting sensation, because mm-hmm. now it starts mimicking the same feel you have on a deadlift. Exactly. Where so the in movement one hand, actually improves it- two different lifts. Yeah, on one hand, mentally, it's it takes away some of the fear because with a barbell squat, when you unrack it from the pins, you take a step back, and it feels really heavy. Yeah. You're trying not to fall over. You're trying to catch your balance. And then when you're lowering it with all that weight on your back, if it feels heavy, then psychologically, you've already impaired doing the concentric with of force course. effectiveness. While with a bottom position squat, obviously, it's harder because you don't have the stretch reflex. Yeah. But at the same time, you also don't have the fear because it's either going to go or it isn't. If it doesn't go, it doesn't go. Just like no, you, deadlift, stay right? there. You, you, you can't injure yourself doing that. So it's right, not, it, right. you're not afraid, of course. But you don't I have mean, to worry about having a squat or anything like that. I think that many people, they just actually suck at <clears throat> walking out with a barbell. Yeah, yeah. It's just I mean, for, <laughs> I mean, it's just like, for example, uh, we, we we once talked about the low back squat versus the, the low bar back squat versus high mm-hmm. bar back squat. Right. And people, when they try the first time the low bar back squat, they think the bar is going to crush them because they're just not good at creating tension in their upper body. Right. So they feel that the bar is going to crush them. You, you have to be good at creating tension up there. So it's the same thing. If somebody is not good at creating tension, when he's going to walk out with a squat, it feels like the bar is 2,000 pounds. And that yeah. castrates you before you even start the lift. Right, right. That's definitely true. I mean, there's so much psychological mm. component, so many psychological components to training. 
I mean, if your mind doesn't believe you can lift something, you're not going to lift it. And if you yeah, if you take it off happen. the pins and it feels heavy, it's not going to get easier <laughs> from there. You know? <laughs> right. You know, and, and then the fact you got to like take a couple of steps back, it's just feels like it's just pressing down on every step. So it's just taking away that confidence just a little bit more every time, yeah, man. Absolutely. You know, one and thing Ed Cohen kinda... does is he, he takes one step back, right, after he takes the bar off the pin, and then he takes one more step to line up, and that's it. And I found that yeah, some people that's, make that's them think of taking way too many steps back. Yeah, I'm exactly. like, where are you, you going? going? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like, are you moonwalking or what? Like, like... Because, because now you have the fear of, okay, I don't want to go all out because I'm not going to be able to walk it back in. Exactly. I mean, that takes away from performance as well. Yeah, it's in the back of your mind. Right, right. Yeah, Even having right. a spotter makes a huge difference. You have a you have a friend who's a capable spotter. Like when I did a PR max at the end of last year, I I was fortunate that a good friend of mine at the gym just happened to be there. I'm like, oh cool man, can you spot me on this? And just having him there, knowing that he can help if needed, made a huge difference as opposed to when I'm doing it on my own. So yeah, I have the safety bars out, but still, you can still fall over. <laughs> you know, you know I feel like many idiot. people get injured by dropping a squat that they miss because you. Sometimes yeah. they fall yeah. on their knees, but you know how your your ankle is going to react and actually twist your Absolutely. knee by buckle right. in. Right. The worst accident I've seen, and I've seen that twice with the same girl. I've never seen it in my life. I've seen it happen twice with this girl. She was wow. doing a, a a back squat, one RM, CrossFit girl I worked with, actually. And she had long hair, so she... she, she tied her hair up in a ponytail so that the hair wouldn't like get rolled up in the bar. But somehow, one probably one hair got rolled up yeah. around the bar, so she missed oh, her no. PR. She tried to drop the barbell back, but her hair got caught up in that bar, and that oh. pulled her head down, but I, her oh. feet stayed on the ground. Yeah, wow. So she twisted her ankle bad. She couldn't walk for about two or three weeks. That actually happened to her again like three months afterwards, but she didn't get seriously injured that time. But it's still oh, wow. really scary when you see it. I mean, the head just got swinged back. Yeah, that's, that's my bit in that situation. That's why usually like on squat, I bring all my hair to the front because my hair is long. So, <laughs> you know, because you don't have these problems. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, but that's one of those things, man, because even, even if I'm just doing – I don't know, man. Just even sometimes, just just doing like just for women doing a low like a low bar, you know. Even just doing it then, it's like I can still feel. It. Even though I have a lot more of my back involved and less hair to have to worry about, and I don't have to worry about the hair getting pulled and pulling my neck back. It's still in the back of your mind. If it's ever happened once, no matter what position the bar was in, you're still gonna think about that. You're still a little still a little traumatized by that. So yeah, one of the things I just bring all the hair to the front, you know, just kind of do that parting of the Red Sea from the back there and, and then go from there, man, because you can't ever forget about it. That's one of the reasons why I don't like wearing belts whenever I'm doing squats or doing deadlifts because one thing about having that belt, my hair, like as soon as I'm getting in position and as soon as I'm coming up, naturally my hair slides down my back and goes into the belt and then the belt just naturally grabs, grabs my hair if it's pulled into a ponytail. And so it's hard for me to focus on deadlift when I've got like this this belt pulling my head back and I'm feeling like a Pez dispenser at the moment. So <laughs> so it's just one of those things, man. Little things like that, that just people have to think about. It. And getting back to what you were saying, I just, for some reason, as soon as you said that, the first thing that came to mind was a lot of the lifters in, in CrossFit when you said it, even before you said that she was a CrossFit lifter. Yeah. You know, and it just seems like there's a lot of this reenactment of the world, you know, wide world of sports type things where you lift and then you fall and collapse and then it's like this very dramatic fall that I see so many lifters doing. And it's like, hey, there's no glory in that, man. You know, no. So there was no glory in that during the wild world of sports back in the 70s. You know, that's that's, the, that's why I was on the part of the agony of defeat portion of that whole little <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, man. yeah. There's not there's nothing courageous about missing <laughs> miserably. You know, I mean, it's just, it's just uh, it's, it, and then if you if you keep missing lifts often, you're just programming yourself for failure. Like, I, you I, I, I honestly don't, but it's not true. I did miss like a squat from pins, but just because the bar wasn't set up properly. But I honestly yeah. don't remember missing a back squat. Uh, because yeah. personally, uh, I, I'm going to have bad technique way before I can miss the weight. And I don't accept personally right. doing right. a mm-hmm. lift that I don't consider technically correct. So I probably stopped maybe 20 pounds before I could. I could still lift like 20 pounds more, but it wouldn't be pretty. But to me, it doesn't count. But it, right, right. Uh, yeah, with those now the uh, with the social media internet warrior kind of guys, they, they just care about how much weight you're lifting. How many people do the fishing rod deadlift on, on social media? Yeah, sure, you deadlift things like hundred, but you probably shorten your lifespan by about three years. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm only five eight. I don't want to have I have to lose like two vertebrae and only right. like measure five six now. <laughs> well, I always say it's not. I always say it's not what you can lift; it's what you can keep lifting over time. Exactly. So I rather and be how able you to. Look when you're lifting it. Yeah, exactly. You want it to look nice. I mean, you can always tell whether you can. I mean, you just look at someone's facial expression. Yeah. If it's good technique, the face, it, it's all in the face. If you mm-hmm. see someone like their teeth are grinding and they got this snarling look in their face, obviously it doesn't feel good. I mean, to a point, sometimes you, you finish off a lift with a scream or something. It's a PR. But yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying completely. But I also, I rather have a 500-pound deadlift for the next 20 years than be able to deadlift 600 once, but I hurt myself. And keep telling that story. And telling that story for the next 20 years. Like, I remember 20 years ago, I hit 600 pounds. Like, yeah. And what happened after that? <laughs> like, oh, I stopped yeah, no, no, I don't like People this. should never talk about what you used to be able to do because it, it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't exist. It's gone. Exactly. Like, no, what it, you can do you right now is the only thing that matters. Eventually, you're going to be stronger than every single world's strongest man competitor because they when you're going to be the same age they're going to be deadlifting like 220 <laughs> yeah <laughs> they're going to be seriously messed up yeah 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 well, that's a really good point i think too many people make the mistake of no pain no gain type mentality right so if it's like if it oh if the rep doesn't look ugly you're not pushing hard enough yeah but you know that's you a- actually see the same thing with nutrition right i mean oh yeah about your health it's so unsexy now, but trust me, once you're like 35, 40, you have high blood pressure, it's yeah. affecting your gains, you can't train as hard because you have inflammation everywhere, just because, yeah, it's go big or go home, so you ate like 10 hamburgers every single day, because right. eating big gets you strong, right? right? Well, maybe, you, you, you hold all that water because of the sodium content, because it's pro-inflammatory, right. you, look, you look big in a shirt because of the inflammation, that gives you leverage right. to lift heavy weight, but trust me, you will be messed up at 35, 40, and you won't be able to lift a weight without feeling pain, being in pain, just because you didn't take care of your health. And I can, know can because you, I can did you, Can you go for pain. a hike? Yeah, can you walk around the block? Can you go for a yeah. hike without breathing hard? Is your, You can see inflammation in someone's face at a certain yeah. age when they haven't taken care of themselves. Exactly. They They're all red and flushed. Yeah, like, exactly. Dude, you know, it's like, <laughs> but, you know, here's the, but here's the paradox of that. You know, since we were just talking about the weather, so obviously at the time we were recording this, it's winter. Here's the paradox of wintertime right now. So for the experienced lifter, this is when they want to 
hibernate and stay inside and really eat and bulk up. It's bulking season. You know, and to the to the beginning exerciser, can't say lifter just yet, these are the people who are kind of like starting off with these New Year's resolutions and they're starving themselves. And they think they can go in and get strong, you know, within the next three to four weeks or whatever else and, and do that without eating. So they're on these, they're on all these crazy diets. They're trying to go in. They're working out like twice a day, every yeah. day for about two weeks because about the fifteenth of January is over. They're done. You know, the, the membership special is over. They they're like, you know what? Screw this. I'm going back to eating pizza. You know. But like I said, the experience lifters over there stuffing their face, and you know, it's like, oh, I know. Leave me alone. Don't judge me. They're posting pictures of their gut now. You know, <laughs> six months ago they were posting they were posting pictures of their ass all on social media. Now they're proud to post a picture of their guts and and their man tits and everything else because <laughs> you know I'm going to get rid of that. So then they're going to end up doing some other type of eating disorder, uh-huh. like in the spring, to get ready for a competition where they're going to end up starving themselves to try to get rid of all that winter weight and bulking or whatever else. So they're not the best examples to a lot of the new No, because after time, just, just trying to get rid of all that excess baggage, you end up at the same level you started with. I mean, exactly. either muscle-wise or, or strength-wise. Yeah, and, and it's not healthy at all. You know, no, your, your body's like, your organs are like, dude, screw you. Okay? Yeah. It's like, enough. People don't realize that. I mean, I, I know because I was that guy. I was that guy, the guy who I ate, if it fits your macros, that's how I hate. I mean, I, I was right. all about excesses. I really want to get bigger, stronger. And I, I honestly, honest to God, wish I could go back and change it. I mean, now I'm doing it the smart way. I don't have a choice because my body will not hold up if I don't. But if I had been different when I was younger, I would be much stronger and healthier today. And to me, that is so important. And you mentioned that. You know, it, and Lee Boyce said something really smart. I mean, if you are planning on lifting for your whole life because it's your passion, who cares what you lift in six weeks? You're going to be right, doing right. this for your whole life. I mean, what my right. inspiration, I posted this on my social media recently, is a guy I used to train with 20 years ago, about roughly. He was 67, still competing in Olympic weightlifting. Now he's 83, and he's still mm. competing. And I posted a video. He's doing a 245-pound front squat at 83 years of age. I mean, that's awesome. Yeah, definitely. And that's training for longevity right there. And I, th- exactly. I think that's the, the word people tend to ignore is longevity. Everybody wants something right now, and they want it during that little, you know, in the next 30 days, or, you know, and get this much in the next, you know, 16, you know, 16 weeks and whatever else. I'm like, oh, so are you going to die? Or you got, do you have terminal cancer, and you're trying to hit this goal before, you yeah. know, you die or whatever else? What does this well, I mean, at the same, at the same time, At the same time that you have to have a sense of urgency, otherwise nothing gets done. You know, like I have very precise goals every year. I don't have this well. If it doesn't happen this year, I'll do it next year because you're never going to get it done now like last year i had extremely precise goals and i hit a large i either hit them or i made progress towards them and that's a success in my mind yeah but the difference opposed to like well i'm just gonna keep working on this and see where it goes yeah, but the difference is you have ongoing goals. A lot of times, folks who are just getting into this, they they see these things. They're like, okay, I'm gonna do this in 30 days because that's what they think. Oh, I, I agree. Completely. And they don't and, and they don't have a plan after those 30 days. It's like, okay, now what? Well, they don't think they need to do anything after those 30 days. That's the problem. Well, People think they can work out for 90 days and then never have to work out again. That's the mistake. I, 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 I see the, the same thing with body, in bodybuilding, in bodybuilding and figure competition, but the same thing holds true for pretty much everybody. I mean, all these people, they have that one goal, which is to compete in a physique competition. But for 16 weeks, that's their whole life, really. And they train hard, but they don't plan what's going on after that. I've seen many right, people right. get almost obese, and they 
actually, I've known several people, once they competed once, they actually stopped training because they can't yeah. find right. the motivation to train again right. because they didn't learn to have uh, like inner motivation. Mm-hmm. You, you have to well, have that, That's the problem goal. with competitions. Uh, I know people go, oh, if I don't have a competition, I don't have the motivation to work out. Right. I go, well, that's a problem. <laughs> yeah, that's is. a problem, man. Because you shouldn't need that external. You shouldn't need that external recognition or motivation. Exactly. It should be intrinsic. Mm-hmm. You should be something you do for yourself. I mean, you should train for yourself, ultimately. Yes. You're doing yes. it for yourself. You're not doing it for anyone else. You're not doing it for your wife, your kids, your neighbors, you know, recognition. You know, I, I, Facebook, I hate Twitter. to tell this to people. I mean, I hate to be that guy, but to be honest, nobody cares about you. Honestly. Exactly. No, nobody not, cares really about don't. you. No. <laughs> I mean, people will not before themselves. like on a picture you post on social media because it doesn't require any effort. Trust me, they don't <laughs> care. The only well, person actually, that cares... They're actually you. doing that for themselves. They're doing it for themselves. They're not even thinking about you when they click like. It's like if your ass is out, they're doing it because they like ass, and ass turns them on. <laughs> you know, so it's for their own benefit when they click. It's not even for your benefit. And, and, and they're hoping it leads you. to something more, like, oh, I'm, exactly. I'm going to start off with liking her, and then, I'm, then we're going to do a private message, and then we're going to meet up in person. <laughs> That's what they're hoping. Exactly. Exactly. same thing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, believe me, believe me. I mean, that's the main motivation for why. Mo- I mean, look, the only reason I have social media accounts is because I have a business. I didn't have a business. I wouldn't have any of that shit. So I always have to wonder about motivations of people who use all this shit, yet they don't have a business or anything they're trying to promote. It's like, what the fuck are you on here for? And 90% of guys is you're trying to meet broads. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like so, it's a cheaper OK Cupid for them. They don't have to pay for a membership by doing that. Well, I don't need OK Cupid. I have Facebook. They don't even want to actually meet the girls. They want to feel desired. They want Absolutely. the girls, hey, how are you doing? You you look great on your picture. It, it, they just <laughs> want, they, they, they actually, they, they want to feel, I mean, most guys, they have an affair, not because they are overly, they have an overly active sex drive. Most, actually, most guys don't. Most guys right. have affairs because they need to feel desired and admired. That's a basic need of most men. Right. Absolutely. Well, most women, too, yeah. men have it's human beings. You know, and so guys like to say that women are attention whores. Dudes are, too. So you want attention. You want to have the time. That's the reason why you're, you're sitting up there and you work on bench press 24 seven. And you don't worry about doing any type of rows or anything like that, because, yeah. you know, you're doing bicep curls because you want that's what you want women to look at first, because you want to make sure that you see them looking at you. Yeah. You don't want to have to sit there and guess if you walk past them. If you got a well-built back and a, and, and a tight ass, you don't want to have to guess. Like, I wonder if she's looking at my ass. Otherwise, you got to turn around and then embarrass yourself when you get caught. <laughs> and she's looking like you, you, you see, you see five guys looking is the only thing you have to see. You're not going to see any chick looking. She's busy working out, man. She's not looking at your ass. <laughs> guys are so guys are so stupid. They, they they lift something heavy. They think they think women in the room are impressed. They're not looking. They don't give a fuck what you're doing. <laughs> Unless they're moving. But, but at, at, at the, no, at, at the same time though, use that for motivation. If you think in your mind that they are, then use use that illusion to have a better performance. So yeah. I mean. But eventually you still have to find it something in you to get oh, the passion course. for training. Of course. Exactly. You should be able to hit a PR in your garage by yourself with no one around, right? No one's ever gonna know but you. No. You know, All and you still pulled head. it off. You know. yeah. You know, you still pulled it off. Well, that's when you, you didn't know. video it. I don't believe it. Well, you don't have to believe it. I know I did. It. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, that's exactly. <laughs> it's like I didn't do it for you, dipshit. I don't have to document everything I fucking do. I think I think going back to nutrition, I think a lot of people overstate eating big. And here's what I mean by oh, that. Man. that okay, like, look, that, like for example, my last workout I did, I'm, I put to, I put together this workout to improve my deadlift and squat, which focuses on singles, right? So it's not quite rest pause. Mm-hmm. 
longer breaks than that, but it's in that direction of of rest pause training. So I'm doing, let's say, seven sets of one with 505 pounds, right? Then I did glute ham raises. Then I did some incline dumbbell pressing, not high volume, did some rows, stretching, some kettlebell pressing. Okay, so not a huge volume program. Do I really need to go home and eat big after that workout? No, you don't. You know, the answer no. is no, but people do. People go, okay, do I need 1,000 calories and 50 grams of protein after that workout? Of course not. Yeah. But people I think wonder why people, they get fat. They want not, to believe that they do because they want a reason to eat crap. That's all it is. And I think that you know, yeah. if, anything, if anything, eating big like that just creates stress on your body. It's yeah. detrimental. Exactly. Because honestly, your growth hormone, you know, first of all, and your sense of nervousness, if you really – went all after it during your workout, it's not even trying to hear you trying to eat right after that. You right. Know, it'll take a couple of hours, man, because you're yeah. still so kind of ramped yeah. up and jacked up, man. It's just your stomach is nervous at that point. So even trying to eat like this, that's why so many people are like, man, I try to, you know, I try to like, you know, have a big shake after whatever, but I feel like I'm going to throw up. Yeah, dude. It's like your <laughs> yeah. growth hormone and your, your stomach is like, dude, screw and, that. And, and I, I've think, got other things. And Go think about it. After your training, you you still want to send blood to those muscles to get rid right. of the metabolites to clear lactic acid uh, right. to help the body repair itself. If you have one big ass meal right after you train, all that blood is going to your digestive system, getting away from the muscles. It actually slows down recovery. And your you know, body. You know what you do. You know what the best thing to take way. after a workout is. You take my systemic enzyme product, Restorezyme. It works best on an empty stomach. Load up your body with systemic enzymes right after your workout, so that you start the healing process. That's what you fucking need yeah, after a workout. And think about Not it. a Most protein shake. Even with, digest properly and, and absorb food. You're going to stuff right. them with two thousand calories. They can't even <laughs> absorb that. They can't even digest that. Right. Right. It's what you absorb, not what you're yeah. consuming. That really you know, matters. One thing right? that I really believe in, you know, I believe in re- actually keeping protein in. I mean, we talked about this in the past. Keep, right. The one, number one mistake that bodybuilders, strength athletes, and athletes in general make is eating too much protein. They believe that the amount of protein you take in is directly related to how much muscle you're building. It's crap. You just, in fact, I now believe that having too much protein too often actually reduces how much muscle you can build. Let's look at it this way. Several amino acids, several amino acids directly trigger anabolism. That's a fact. Several protein, amino acids increase the muscle building processes. The problem is if you're constantly eating huge amount of protein, your level of amino acids is always high. Now the few amino acids that need to be spiked to create anabolism are lost in a sea of amino acids. You can't get that peak that triggers anabolism because it's always getting lost in that whole thing. You need just to keep a small baseline of blood amino acids to never lack any of the essential amino acids. And you need to periodically spike the anabolic uh, amino acids throughout the day. So I believe in keeping a fairly low protein intake, but during the day spiking the anabolic uh, amino acids. You know what's interesting is I I consumed less protein last year than I ever did. Now, I, I, I was... 
I hit more PRs last year than I ever did either. I definitely I definitely proved that you don't need as much no. protein as you no, think you do. No, same thing, I did a photo shoot uh, in November for my new website, tibarmy.com. I did a photo shoot, and I never ate so little protein because my kidneys are, are been hurt from years of abuse. I've uh, never taken so little protein. I never looked that good. That's the best I've right. ever looked in my life. That's great. I think I think one of the things is a lot of the people people look up to you like Charles Poliquin who I, who I respect a lot he's a great guy he's been on our show you know he's a strong proponent of protein he still yeah. does the two grams per pound yeah. and a lot of other people agree with that or even recommend more so that message keeps getting perpetuated I mean people always ask people always prioritize protein people who How work much out protein do I need because I'm this that and the other and and and, then, and on that note when you bring that up like with Charles and you know other experts that so many people look look up to it's more about them looking for someone to validate their their current beliefs as right. with anything in life you know That's right. anything polarized like okay I want to consume a lot of protein so let me seek out the person that that'll validate this belief yeah, you, that I have you want and not make me feel bad about it secure in your beliefs exactly <laughs> you know so, and that's what it comes down to. So, yeah, it may work well for him, but not necessarily for you. You're walking around like, well, I can't see what I can't. for him, though. I, has he ever tried it? I mean, and, and I love Charles. Yeah, yeah, we, we, yeah, yeah, we don't know if it works exactly. well for him. We don't know. <laughs> that's the other exactly. thing. Yeah, we, we don't, don't know. know. No, yeah, we would, have, right, would, have, to, would have to try something else for us yeah. to compare what works well. Uh, yeah, know what if, works you, if you, for example, let's say instead of taking in 300 grams of protein, what if you take 120 grams, but you have four spikes of the essential amino acids during the day? Uh, my guess is that you would gain a lot more, first of all, because you're not overloading your digestive system, and you're creating those spikes in the anabolic amino acids. You need spikes, but you can't have spikes if the whole protein uh, is always elevated in your bloodstream because the body doesn't. So, so what are you, what are you recommending? Branch chain aminos or some kind of amino uh, acid? Well, actually, uh, I like the essential amino acids. Um, uh, I know that uh, Doctor Serrano is coming up with. Yeah, uh, Serrano has uh, he has uh, muscle synergy. Muscle synergy is his yeah, product. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. No, I really like that product. It's amazing. Uh, people who don't, who don't want to really like invest a lot of money in a specialized essential amino acid blend. Uh, could always go with the brand chain amino acids that would actually work. Uh, but uh, to me, it has some downsides in that leucine, for example, really spikes uh, insulin release, which is not something you really want. Uh, right, so it, right. or it works, it works, but I really prefer a blend of essential amino acids. Yeah, you don't want an insulin surge on an empty stomach. No, that's for exactly. Sure. Now, actually, actually, I, I once had uh, a hypoglycemic crisis only by yeah. taking leucine. It yeah. was in the morning. Uh, I was training a client at 5 a.m. Didn't have time to have breakfast. Well, actually, I didn't right. really eat breakfast because I was intermittent fasting at the time. Uh, and I took uh, just leucine supplement in the morning for some reason. Don't ask. I was, I was training, I think, but I skipped the workout. Anyway, I had like 10 grams of leucine. And after like 45 minutes, I'm starting to get woozy, hypoglycemic symptoms. I really freaked out. I thought I had like the H1N1 uh, flu because yeah. I was running around at the time. Yeah. I called my wife. I mean, I think I have the flu. Just come pick me up quick. And finally, I realized it was just being hypoglycemic, so I took a Gatorade and felt better. But well, leucine is a lot yeah. more powerful than people realize as far as like releasing insulin. You know what really messes that up? I've had a similar experience with 
a different mechanism. I had I had one of those sugary coffee drinks, Starbucks, years ago, right? A frappuccino or whatever it is. Yeah. And so it's so basically high caffeine and high sugar, two things oh, that release insulin. Yeah. And man, I had a crash. I, I almost felt like I it wasn't safe for me to drive. I was driving and all of a sudden no, no, I, I, I had a serious it. crash. And I was like, whoa, I got to pull over right now. But that, that, that just, to me, the, the example I just said, uh, I mentioned, it, it just amplifies that individual amino acids have very powerful effects as long as there's not a sea of competing amino acids available. For example, if I'm, uh, I want to sleep, if I, I'm on an empty stomach, if I take glycine, I relax and go to bed very easily. But if I have yeah. a big protein yeah. meal and I have the same glycine, it doesn't do anything. Right, because right. it gets lost in a sea of yeah. amino acids. If yeah. you want the individual amino acids that can have pharmacological properties, then they need to be on a state where you don't have an excess amount of protein so that the body will recognize the spike in that specific amino acid. Yeah, I mean, like with tyrosine, I like to take three to five yeah. grams an hour before training, obviously exactly. empty stomach. Otherwise, you're not going to feel a thing. If you I put that in my protein, protein shake, you won't feel a thing. Exactly. No, it, it's completely lost. That's why people say, well, you know, why would I need to take the BCAs? It's in my whey protein. Yeah, but it's, <laughs> it's hidden in the sea of amino acids. It won't work. Even right. if you had five grams of BCAs to a shake, it will not work. Right. It's getting right. lost in the sea of protein. So you really don't, I don't use whey protein. Now, I will just use my, my, I will have like, for example, three meals that have actual full complete protein, but that's enough to have my baseline to never be deficient in any amino acid. And then I spike with essential amino acids when I need a specific effect. If I need to trigger uh, a higher level of neural activity, I'll take tyrosine. If I need to uh, inhibit my nervous system so I can lower cortisol and relax better, I'll have glycine. If right. I want a spike in anabolism, then I'll have the essential amino acids. So, so it really, that way, if you don't always have a very high level of amino acid, of protein in your blood, you can actually create pharmacological effect from individual amino acids. Yeah. yeah Tryptophan is another good one, right? Five Absolutely. You take but that, if you, you take, take that with a meal, protein, nothing. Work. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. Empty stomach right before you go to sleep, bam. Exactly. Taking that relaxed state. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Not so true. Tyrosine, definitely. I've, I've tried tyrosine with meals before. You don't notice a thing. Empty no. stomach. And, and it has to be like a real empty stomach, too. It can't be something where maybe 30 minutes Correct. after a meal, you're not going to no, eat people, you know, I, I used to do a lot of intermittent fasting, and people yeah, always yeah. well, how can you train on an empty stomach? Well, trust me, if you want to be amped up for a workout, do it after 14 hours of intermittent fasting with tyrosine and a very small amount of caffeine. I mean, yeah. you will be yeah. break records. Plus, most people are so fat, they're not on an empty stomach. <laughs> you know, I mean, you have so much fat reserves that you could take a week off from eating and you still are not on an empty stomach. You know? Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> it's like, who are you kidding? It's like, I'm starving. It's like, no, you're not. It's not possible. No, you're not. No, you're not. I was talking to a good friend of mine. He's a, like a, he's a power lifter. And he changed his diet recently. At first, it was really hard for him because you know, he honestly thought he was eating like 3,500 calories a day. So I, I actually gave him a diet that was like 3,200, and he felt like he was dying. So I thought, well, just give me a journal of what you used to eat. 
and it was really closer <laughs> to 6,000. Well, you don't wow. need 6,000. Wow. You're like 220 pounds. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I'm 220, mm-hmm. and I've barely taken 2,800. 2, and that's yeah. more than enough for me. If you feel hungry on 3,200 calories, and you're not like... It's just because your brain learn that you need that amount of food because that's always yeah, what you get. Now, he, he's yeah. back trying to gain muscle, and he said, I, 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 I can't eat anymore. I, I'm never hungry. It's because you don't need it. You just created <laughs> an artificial need that didn't exist before. Right, right. I think one of the biggest mistakes is training yourself to eat when not hungry. Exactly. It creates an extremely bad habit of just snacking. Now you're looking at the clock, like, oh, it's three o'clock, time to eat something. It's like, really? Are you hungry? Or are you just looking at the fucking clock. Yeah, you're, exactly. You're now, it's, job. You're, it's not you're pleasurable business, at all. You're, you're in the business of eating. You know, it's always last. Yeah, and if, you, if you're not hungry, there's a reason for it. And, and a lot of people are pros. A lot of people are pros at that business. They excel. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I always like, you know, my niece is like, I'm bored. I'm, I'm hungry. I'm just like, are you hungry or are you bored? You know, that's yeah, no, what exactly. I was just asking and, like. And you're overheating. Overeating is actually one of the few things that's been proven to speed up the aging process. Oh no okay. doubt. No doubt. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's like blue-collar work. Okay, It's like working in a minefield for the most part because you're, you're stressing yourself out internally yeah. just as but much. Also what happens you're still is thinking that, it's probably the same amount of chemicals. You know, and you also what happens is a, that you know, every time you release a high level of insulin, every time you release a high level of insulin, you activate mTOR. mTOR actually is you – know, that's one thing. Activating mTOR, if you want to grow muscle, that's fine. Uh, you can right. do it with training. Uh, that's why bodybuilders take an insulin. It actually activates mTOR. But the problem yeah. is that you, you don't only activate mTOR that affect the muscle. If you are training, yes, that's the only mTOR pathway you're activating. But if I'm constantly eating food that spikes insulin, I'm activating mTOR 24-7. And do a search. I mean, anybody yeah, I listening to this podcast cancer. right now, do a search mTOR aging process. It's yeah. totally been proven that activating mTOR speeds up the aging process. So if you constantly- so it's kind of like, it's kind of like growth hormone, right? I mean, optimal growth hormone is very effective, but if it's too high, now it has deleterious consequences. Right, it can speed up the, the development of uh, cancer cells, for example. Right, right, exactly, exactly. That's no, why if, was- if you want, if you want to slow down the aging process, IGF one cannot be high. 24-7. mTOR right. cannot be activated 24-7. So right. if you constantly have in elevated insulin levels because you're overeating food, then you're going to just speed up the aging process. That, that's, the, that's a fact. It's similar to cortisol, right? We need a good amount of cortisol to be motivated and get our day going. But if you're constantly on this cortisol ride, now it's basically self-cannibalizing whatever your goals True. are. Yeah, and it actually can eventually lead brain, brain, and by Alzheimer and and cortisol are more. I mean, to me, it's an obvious connection, but now research is backing up that connection very clearly, as well as insulin resistance. Alzheimer is often referred to as type that, three, uh, type three diabetes. Actually, I was going to mention that exactly. I was actually talking to a, a friend of mine about that because both our grandmothers died of Alzheimer's. Well, not of, but they had Alzheimer's when they died. Yeah. Yeah. So, right. uh, yeah, it's 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 been shown that there's a very strong connection. They now they're now calling it the diabetes type three. Yeah, yeah, and stress can cause insulin resistance. It's not always just diet. Mm-hmm. A lot of people that are in this constant stress state all the time. You always feel flat and old water. Yeah. 
And that is definitely a mark of being insulin resistant. Yeah, because sometimes people eat really healthy and they still have these hormonal issues. Mm -hmm. And it's not the diet. No, it's their mentality. It's it's something else, some other underlying unresolved issue that's causing uh, a good example. Stress. I was trading this uh, figure compare well, a girl that, that wanted to do a figure show for the first time, and right. normally I can get somebody ready to do a figure show unless she's like very fat to start with. I can get pretty much anybody in decent shape ready for a figure show in in fourteen sixteen weeks. Uh, her and she was not fat to start with. She was actually fairly athletic. It took eight months get in shape because of her job. She was a police officer working shifts. So always very, and she uh, she just had like relationship problems. Uh, her house burned down during wow. the contest prep. So she stuck with the diet for the whole prep. She stuck with the training regardless of what was happening. But because of the stress, we had to take a more gradual approach because the body was just not responding to it. The, the, the right. diet and training because she became insulin resistant and had a lot of inflammation because of the stress. You know, inflammation is and insulin resistance are the two worst thing that can happen to your body. Yeah, and it's insulin well, resistance is not always it's, bad. It's, but. No, I mean, but it's not always people that are okay. overweight that have insulin resistance. No. A lot of people who look no. seemingly fit have insulin resistance. What's happening is they're managing the symptoms because of their training and other things. Correct. And so they've never they've never bothered to check whether they have it because they're looking in the mirror and go, okay, you know, I can see my abs and I feel strong in the gym. So there's no way I'm insulin resistant. Mm-hmm. And then they get some blood work done. They're like, well, wait a minute. How is this possible? So you're managing to keep this stuff controlled, but that's it's it's. It's a battle of attrition. At some point, you're going to lose that battle. Yeah, and it's genetic at one, uh, to some extent. I mean, I, I, I use myself right, as an right. example. I, I, I always tolerate carbs pretty well, uh, pretty badly. And I yeah. uh, I believe, you know, the thing, well, the, the leaner you are, the more carbs you can have. So uh, when I prepare for the photo shoot, I didn't have much carbs, uh, lots of green veggies, and I felt great. No aches and pains at all. Now, after that, I, I started eating, like, less strictly and all the aches and pains came back. Mm. I wasn't, and I totally believe that it is due to inflammation from me not tolerating carbs well. I mean, yeah. of course, not like fruits and all that stuff that, that actually are good for me, but having like pastries once in a while, yeah. uh, bread once in a while, that created inflammation because my body was just not tolerating that well. Maybe it's more because those are processed foods that are causing well, of course, inflammatory of course, response of course. rather than Bad just choices, carbs yeah. in general. Well, I think, I think a lot of times with macronutrients, it's if you go really high fat, then you have to go low carb. Otherwise, it's yes. disastrous. If you go really, if you go really low fat, you have to go higher carbs. Now, yeah. a lot of people with the American diet and processed foods, you now have oh. the ability to do high fat and high carb, which yeah. doesn't exist right. in nature. Like if you I eat naturally whole like, foods, you can't do that, totally. but you can and do then, it because <laughs> of the way food is processed. And that's when you and have then you problems. have people that worry about protein, high fat causes Yeah. They well, the high fat, they, so they, they don't add, use the carbs they well add, because of the high fat. So what I'm saying, they start adding high protein to that because, you know, got to have my protein. You know, uh, you know, they're consuming high fat and high high carbs with everything else. So now everything is fucking high. Everything's high. <laughs> you know, then you got high blood <laughs> pressure. And high 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 yeah. you, you desensitize <laughs> your body to everything. Yeah, exactly. Most people just eat too much, even people who work out. Like you were saying, Christian, I think people would be shocked how little I eat each day. I mean, I don't starve myself. I eat as much as I want. It's just not that much compared to what people think someone my size will eat. They're like, oh, you know, you're 200 pounds, six feet tall. You must eat a ton every day. It's like, nah, I eat as much as I want. I never deprive myself. 
but it's it's not that my much. My wife always calls me out on how little I eat. Mine too. Well, I'm, I'm sure you are eating something in secret. No, I just don't eat that much because I'm honestly eating much less than she is. And she's like 130 pounds. I'm well, I mean, I, I eat a lot at dinner, but I don't eat much during the day. So when you I'm add it all up, it's not that much. I have one big meal. That's pretty much it. Now, I, but I, can, I can eat a well, lot at that dinner, though. I can, I can, you know, I can clear yeah. out a buffet at that dinner, especially if I worked out that day. You know, no, but I, it's just in the context way, of the I, day, I, it's still I not that much. More of a like, um, uh, my my own neurological nature is more toward. Uh, I don't like to say bulimic side, but uh, I'm not bulimic. But I yeah. like to be satisfied, and I don't need to eat often. Yeah, now, actually, yeah, I yeah. do a lot worse psychologically if you force me to have many smaller meals in a day. And I, I honestly want to kill myself. It just yeah, it's just irritating. Like I got it stuff to do, man. I, I think yeah, exactly. Do. You know, I don't, exactly. I don't feel like having to stop and eat and stop and eat and stop and eat. So yeah. I tend to go more toward, you know, it's like in the very years ago when it first came, like the Warrior Diet. It made sense to me. I'm like, well, I was already doing yeah. this. I'm you, you put a name on something I was already doing. <laughs> you no, know, it just, and, just and most people, I mean. Most people, they, they just get sluggish after they eat, and you don't want to feel that way. If I have a small amount of food, like for example, if I have some, some berries and uh, maybe nuts, then I'll feel fine. But if, you have, if I have a real meal, uh, don't ask me to do anything requiring any uh, intellectual capacities or physical capacities I, because I'm no good. Oh yeah, I almost passed out sometimes. I mean, just from being relaxed, exactly. not because not because exactly. I had this blood sugar crash. You're just in this yeah. really relaxed state after your big meal. You're like, all well, right. That's how it should be. That's how it should. Yeah, be. yeah, exactly, exactly. That exactly. means actually that, and that's also why personally I don't get the I mean, the old French thing that you know you have to eat big in the morning and very small. <laughs> yeah, I can't. The opposite. I can't, man. It's the opposite. Who's hungry in the morning? That Who's that hungry in the morning? You're in a relaxation state yeah, king, after yeah. a stressful yeah. day. Who's that hungry that's in the morning? The whole, that's the whole king, queen, and pauper like philosophy. You know, it starts your day off eating like a king, then you know, yeah, like man. a queen, then finish your day like a pauper. I'm like, dude, doesn't make sense. I can't, in, start, in the morning, I can't just wake up eating a big level or sky high. Yeah, yeah. Why not? Why not let genuine hunger dictate how much exactly. you eat and when? Well, the, the problem yeah, is, I'm talking genuine hunger. People are so desensitized, as we mentioned earlier. They have trained themselves to always be hungry. That's the big issue. Dude, they need exactly. to and there's, a, there's also a fear. Body. There's also a fear of being hungry. Like, oh, yeah. oh I'm hungry. Yeah. I'm going to I'm going to start oh cannibalizing muscle. Yeah. I'm gonna die. I have a funny <laughs> story about that. I remember I was, when, I, when I, I told you about it. when I was younger, I, every dumb shit you hear on the internet, like this, some keyboard word. <laughs> I was that guy, right? I remember I was playing football. I was like 19. And we were having this party with a few friends from the team, and we ran out of beer. So somebody wanted, well, Christian, go buy us some beer. So I'm not going to walk to buy some beer. I'm going to lose mass, man. So I, I didn't want to go to the uh, grocery <laughs> store because I didn't want to lose muscle. That's how, that's how dumb I was. I'm not saying I'm smarter, but I know, I, I know that walking to a grocery store won't like, lead to muscle loss. Well, that, that explains why your that, that explains why explains why your girlfriend at the time broke up with you. She's like, "Come on, Christian, let's go." Uh, to bed. No, I didn't have no, a I don't want to waste that energy. I was like still two years away from having my first sexual experience. You're like, "No, I got squats tomorrow. I can't get late tonight. It'll take away from my sweat workout tomorrow." <laughs> leg day, girl. Leg day. What the hell is wrong? My legs with are me? gonna feel weak if I do that. <laughs> exactly. that, that. That was me, though. That, that's exactly how I was. But you know, the funny yeah. people. You could probably go three days without eating and not really lose any muscle. Yeah. No, uh, it's funny because uh, last week I did um, 
uh, green veggies only cleanse. So basically, I use a supplement called uh, Ultra Inflamex to reduce inflammation. It's very good on the digestive system. And I only ate green veggies for four days. Well, after the fourth day, I actually beat a record on the uh, Frankenstein back squat, uh, front squat from pins. So it's not like I lost muscle eating only veggies for four days. So you, you won't lose muscle if you go six hours without eating, trust me. Exactly. The one thing that people worry that they should be worried about is the one thing they don't consume enough of, and that's water. You yeah. know, they're not well, drinking exactly, enough water. Exactly. I was going to mention people start to feel flat during the day. They feel that their muscles are getting flatter. I mean, I need to eat. I'm losing muscle. You're not losing muscle. <laughs> you are dehydrated. That's why you're feeling flat. <laughs> right. I mean, I, when I did my photo shoot, right, uh, I, I started, uh, I was dehydrating to look good. So in the morning, I felt like I was like 150 pounds. I'm losing all my muscle, man. So I started to eat to try to fill out. Like newsflash, I still, still felt flat after eating a lot. That's because it's not the carbs that, or the lack of carbs making you flat. It's the fact that you're not holding any water in your muscle that are making, is making you flat. You're not losing muscle, you're losing water. Yeah. I also find if, if carbs are too low, you don't have that filled out look either. Like the muscle exactly. bellies look Which flat. Which is more, again, water. That's true, but that's because you're not yeah. holding yeah, the water yeah, yeah, in exactly. the muscle exactly. belly. Exactly. You don't get the pump as much when you're working out and so forth. You don't yeah. have that filled out look, which yeah. is which is all. I mean, I don't train for any of that necessarily, but I'm not going to say I don't like it when it happens. It's fun. Yeah. You're, there's, a, yeah. but there's a use to it, though. I mean, there is, no doubt. Because it, when you feel, let's say I'm, do, let's say I'm doing um, a bench press, for example. Well, if I don't feel a slight pump in my pectorals, then I know that my, maybe something's wrong with my form. Right. So right. It, it tells you where which muscle the exercise is working. So if you use the pump properly, it can actually tell you a lot about your muscle dominance and what muscle you need to be working on. If well, I'm that, that's squat, why some more some more bad advice we often hear is, oh, it's not muscles, it's movements. It's like, look, man. Yeah, of course. <laughs> if you don't engage the, the muscles, muscle there's going to be no movement. All right. So it's just <laughs> it's just dumb. I mean, also also if you're training for size and strength, then. When I do a military press and I'm focused, if I want to get my shoulders bigger, triceps bigger, then I want to feel those muscles working. I'm not focused yeah. as much on the weight, moving the weight from point A to point B. I'm focused on engaging the lats, engaging Correct. the triceps, feeling the shoulders, press it out, all of that stuff. So it's yeah. just, it just depends on what you're trying to do. But you, you have this really pretentious, condescending attitude now of like, oh, we're not bodybuilders. We train movements, <laughs> not muscles. It's like, well, yeah, yeah, that's why you look like shit. That's, that's, that's why you look like shit. <laughs> But you, you know how I am. So I'm all about correcting weaknesses. Like, <laughs> if, if you want to improve your movement, let's talk their language, right? You want to improve your movements. Fine. But improving movements means that you have to fix the weak link. And right. feeling the muscles working is one of the best ways to diagnose which muscles are holding you back and right. what exercises you need to fix those weaknesses, those problems. So yeah, I think if I'm doing a squat and all I feel is a slight pump in my quads, nothing in my glute hamstring in the lower back, then I right. know that I need to fix something because only 25% of the muscles involved are, tra are working. Right, right. I mean, with deadlifts, I often feel it in my torso more than anywhere else, so I know I'm engaging my abs. So if yeah, if, exactly. if if I'm not able to move the weight, I know that's not the weak link. Or, or the weak part of the execution, I'm, I'm utilizing that for sure. I'm, often I'm sore in the midsection the next day. Correct. So I like what you're saying. It's like you, you have to feel the movement 
in the context of knowing what muscles are doing what, so you know where the weak link is. Yeah, how the movement feels and what it looks like tells you what you need to use to fix those problems and get the movement better. Well, it's like someone saying, oh, I do military press, and I, I don't feel it in my shoulders at all. My pecs are sore the next day. And then you watch them lift it, and they're pushing it four feet out in front of them. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> you know? It's like, well, you're not doing a military press. You're doing a, an incline press standing, you know? yeah. <laughs> which is okay. But, if, I mean, if, you're, if your goal is to move as much weight as possible, but if your goal is to make your shoulders room. bigger and stronger, then you got to do something. you got to do a more correct straight overhead and – pop your head out the window type technique. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I think the I, I think people love to just get into it's, it's these It's a whole either or situation. This is like yeah, exactly. well, it's either movement right. or it's either muscle. It's like no, it's no either or. It's like come on, man. Does the word synergy mean anything to you? <laughs> it's just like come on, it's like it, it's not just cut and dry and black and white or whatever else. It's like these things all have to function together to make this one unit move correctly. So, well, people you need make to get a lot just of because you found something just because you found some a section that you like, you know, I like movement. Okay, just admit you like movement, but don't sit there and preach the gospel to me that it's all about movement. You well, know, it's also, like, I mean, it's like, oh, bodybuilders are weak. Really, Tom Platts is weak. The guy squatted 500 pounds 30 times easily. The full squat, too, not parallel. Yeah. Yeah. Straight up. <laughs> yeah, Dory, Dorian Yates, Ronnie Coleman. Yeah. You look at all the elite bodybuilders, they're all strong. I know exactly. But I think, so, I think there's just ways for people to try to feel better. Well, I mean, yeah, I remember when Pavel, when Pavel started blowing up, he attracted this this demographic of people who wanted to be strong, but they didn't want to look like they worked out at all, like there's some kind of secret weapon. They're like, oh, I don't even want people to know well, I maybe, worked out. I, I want to surprise them. Maybe he was attracting people who actually wanted to be muscular and strong, but tried to be muscular their whole life, but couldn't. So maybe yeah. they were looking for a justification to be strong, but not be muscular. So they made it cool to be strong, but don't look the part. See what I but mean? But the reality is you're not even that strong either. Yeah. You're strong yeah. in the context of that community because that's exactly. the reference. But you take you take the person outside of that community is like, okay, big deal. Like, oh, I can do a Turkish get-up with 70 pounds in. The guy, the bodybuilder at the gym couldn't do it. I was like, yeah, but that guy can squat 500 and you can't squat 200. No, and you're putting esoteric exercises that nobody you invent, does. You invent exactly. stuff you're, you're putting kettlebells on a broomstick. You can't and be squatting. good at the basic <laughs> stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're doing bench press with kettlebells on a broomstick, buddy. You can't talk about that. Okay. okay. <laughs> and you think that you're like, well, I don't want to do conventional bench press. You might want to try. Okay. <laughs> Now, if you can't be good at the basics, you have no no business like coming up with a no, yeah. right, We can say squat, squat deadlift, overhead press. You should have some pretty respectable numbers on those Correct. before you start branching out to all the other fun exercises. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, it's, 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 the basic movement pattern, the squat, the hinge, the overhead yeah. press. Pull-ups, bend over row. Yeah. 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 You, I mean, you it, can't go you wrong with those. If you don't do these, you don't know what your weaknesses are. Right. And right. it's all about, I mean, my, 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 in my mind, whether you are a CrossFit athlete, you're a football player, you're a mixed martial artist, you're a bodybuilder, it's all about building the best body possible. And you can't do that if you can't spot your weaknesses and do everything possible to fix those weaknesses. Right. Right. 
And there's, I mean, you, the funny thing though is, is you have to reach a certain level of strength before those weaknesses even Correct. reveal themselves. Because Correct. when you start yeah. off, you're just weak, period. You don't have a weak leg. You're just weak. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so exactly. That's not, not worry about weak legs until you get some numbers on there. No, it's funny. I was, I was, uh, as I mentioned, I was uh, training last weekend. Uh, Canada strong. Oh, actually, I, I trained the two strongest men in Canada, and um, mm-hmm. in strongmen, and. Uh, Jeff Caron, the, the, the strongest man in Canada, he owned his own gym, and he, he was telling me, like, one, this kid walked up to me and said, well, how do you get big traps? Because he has humongous traps. And he answered, well, it's funny in French, but it's still, it's loosely translated in just lift heavy shit. That, that's basically the secret. The, the, the kid probably expected, like, five different shrug variations. <laughs> right. I just, he actually never did a single shrug in his life. But the guy deadlifts 965. He, he, he flipped uh, a 1,300-pound tire four times. And he's one of the best in the world at the farmer's walk. In his training, he does heavy farmer's walk twice a week. That's always in his training. That's how yeah. you, you, you And he deadlifts in the 900. That's how you build traps. Right. Just lift. Yeah, that's, that's the other thing people don't really get is frequency. I mean, I only hit gym twice a week. I do. I have a squat day and a deadlift day, and then I do different upper body stuff after those. Yeah. Basically, Wednesday and Saturday. Other days, I'm do, I'm just walking a lot with the dogs. I do kettlebell pressing during the day. I I just got a weight vest, you know, so I can start wearing that when I go for the walks with the dogs, etc. And I think people are always like, oh man, you're only you're only doing squats once a week. You're only doing yeah, but you train the whole body twice a week. Right, right, yeah. exactly. And, and on also, top of the other work you're doing. And also the intensity of those workouts is pretty high, so it's not something I want to do you know, more than one. <laughs> right. but you know, I don't want to do heavy deadlifts three times a week. You know, yeah. frequency, I mean, it's a funny thing. It's a funny animal uh, because what are we talking about? Is it the frequency that every muscle is being trained? Is it the frequency right. of training session in a week? Because, for example, if a bodybuilder trains six days a week but only hit each muscle once a week, is he using a high frequency, really? Uh, if somebody only trains three times a week but using a whole body workout, who has the highest frequency? See what I mean? Yeah. And if you're being physically active, uh, like walking with a weight vest, doing KB press, you are basically using your muscles every single day. So that's still right. high- It's still stress in your body. Like one of my neighbors was saying, it's like, yeah, I do – Lower body on Monday, and then I do upper body on Tuesday. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, you're you still, cut yourself in half. <laughs> well, you're still stressing the nervous system, regardless. Yeah. So, it's, in other words, you're not. It's just like, okay, you did lower body on Monday. That doesn't mean your upper body is fully recovered and ready to go the next day. Your nervous system is taxed, which is going to hamper performance. But it always depends on how hard are. Well, I'll I'll go on a limb though. That saying that most people. Uh, well, they don't know how to train, to be honest. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm assuming this guy's training hard, period. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm no, sure yeah, he isn't. That, that is a big <laughs> assumption. Looking at him, it's clearly not the case. But Man, that's, I, mean, that's I would say that probably like 10% <laughs> in the population trains hard enough to get any kind of worthwhile gains. Oh, yeah, uh, no doubt. We can see that at every gym. People look exactly the same year after yeah. year after year. But, they're not pushing it hard enough. They're, they're lifting the exact same is, weight right? they did last January. You know? But you, right. you right. know what their problem is, right? I mean, you, you will have two things happen. People don't have the capacity to train hard enough on the exercises they're doing to stimulate gains. So they will do one of two things. They either start doing tons of volume to compensate for their lack of intensity, 
or they do tons of frequency to compensate for lack of it. Now, I'm all for high frequency, provided that it's not a crutch to allow you not to train hard. But if you train hard and you train frequently, you can't train a lot. Right. You can't do a high volume. But most people use high volume because it's easier. It's, it's weird to say that high volume is easier, but it's because people, if you do a high volume, it's impossible to train hard. By, by right. hard, I mean pushing everything. I mean, to the 10, limit. 10 sets. How hard can it be if you can do 10 sets with the same weight? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so but people would rather do that than do a really high intensity quality set. Well, I mean, when you're doing a really heavy weight, there's, it, there's, there's, it never becomes comfortable. And so what no. I mean by that is, okay, when I, the first time I ever deadlifted 505, I was like, you know, I barely did it. Now I can deadlift 565, but guess what? 505 still feels feel heavy. <laughs> it doesn't feel comfortable. Yeah, right. it's, not, no. it's, it's, it's 50 pounds lighter than my one red max, but it doesn't feel easy when I do it. No. It's, it's still very taxing on the body. But the difference is I'm now trained to handle that discomfort. Yeah. But As what I find is that with heavy weights, with heavy weights, it doesn't take many repetition or many sets to reach what I call the point of refusal. With oh, the yeah. point where you yeah, look yeah. at the barbell and it's you just brave. don't want to do that <laughs> set, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Exactly. So that's a point of refusal. And to me, that means that the nervous system is taxed and you shouldn't attempt that lift. But with no bodybuilding, like, like high volume work, you don't get that point of refusal. And to me, that indicates that it's not like really demanding training. Because if you reach that point of refusal, it's the body rebelling against what you're asking it to do. So if you don't reach that point when doing strength work, to me, the nervous system is not being taxed. So you don't always want it, but when it happens, it means that you tax it, so you need to be able to recognize it. Hello? Oh, I'm here. Oh, sorry. Yeah, no problem. I just, one of my dogs was, like the, the water what bowl was. Have, by the way. Sorry, what's that? What breed of dogs do you have? Four dogs over here. So one's a Cocker Spaniel. He's the oldest guy. He's 16, coming on 17. I've got a Terrier mix. That's my buddy Grover. New puppy. She's a Australian Shepherd. She's only about five months. Oh, they're awesome. Yeah. Then a Maltese. So it's a real spread. It's a real wide uh, spectrum of dogs here. <laughs> I'm a pug man, so I am. I'm, well, I would actually like to have an English Bulldog also. Well, that's what I have. I have an English Bulldog and I have a Bulldog. Oh, these are awesome, so. man. Yeah, man. He's a handful. <laughs> How much is he weigh? He's a, oh, they're, they're both 50 pounds. And it's so funny because you have the it's, – it's kind of funny. It looks like if you would see, like, Mike and me together, we'll, we weigh about the same. But Mike's, like, a little bit longer and leaner. And I'm more like – I got the center of gravity and the, the mass. Hey, <laughs> people, normally people have dogs that look like them. Right, right. <laughs> so yeah, my dog Grover. Like, my dog Grover looks like me, black and white goatee. He's athletic. Yeah. <laughs> no, I have like four me. pugs, so, they, so they, 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 I'm short, stocky. I snore and I. <laughs> <laughs> well, you gotta stop eating. It sounds like you're still eating too much protein, then, man. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, to be honest, if if I don't train if, and I don't eat, I'm still gonna be like 200. It's like my yeah. I've had periods where I don't train that hard, don't eat that much, and I'm still like 195, 200. Yeah, I don't know what My, my normal body that. weight is too – I actually wrote an article about that. You know, it, yeah. my body weight is 215. Mm-hmm. You know, I, can, I can like force myself to be like 218, 220. I can get really lean and I'll be 200, but my normal walking weight is 215. And regardless of the type of training I'm doing, I will be 215. So uh, what my conclusion is this, 
uh, once you reach your ceiling for how much muscle mass your body can carry, because there is such a thing. You can oh, actually yeah. change the way the body looks because I think that the body, you can lose some muscle in a place you don't use it to build an area that's being more stimulated today. Yeah. Uh, but really, when you reach a point where you're pretty much close to your limit, uh, you have to train the way you enjoy it because it's not like you're going to make drastic visual changes anyway. So you should right. focus on making the body as functional as possible, improving performance, and uh, reaching performance goals at one point is more achievable and keeps you much more sane than always trying to focus on the visual changes. Because at one point, no except getting leaner, you're not going to make more, much uh, significant, uh, yeah. much more significant. I think, I think performance should always be the focus. I mean, it doesn't have to yeah, be right. the only focus, but it's, it's the most motivating focus, in yeah. my opinion, because what's more motivating than lifting more weight than you could before? Well, and, I mean, and, it and it's great. objective. It's objective. Yeah, exactly. exactly. If you feel like crap, exactly. if you feel like it's crap, you can look too. at yourself, oh, I'm fat today. I'm feeling flat today because I'm dehydrated. But if you lifted 555, then you know it's 5.55. And when I, <laughs> right, I did that, that right. cleanse, I, I did felt smaller because I did lose like 10 pounds, mostly water weight. Uh, so I felt like I'm, I'm losing muscle, man. Then I, I'm beating my PR by 20 pounds. So I said, well, objectively, I can't be losing muscle because I'm stronger. Right. Yeah, Chris, you That's even funny. Know when, whenever whenever I lift more, like, people automatically assume you're bigger, and they're like, oh, they're like, oh how much size did you put on? I go, I didn't put on any more size. No. <laughs> you know? Hey, Christian, Christian you know, I'm, I'm pretty much like in a similar situation like you are. Did you ever notice that like for a while there, probably for a while, like 215 was like right there for me. No matter what I would do, it got there. And But did you ever notice like even if you did tend to like lose, you know, let's say, let's just say water weight or whatever, like now I'm 10 pounds less, but everything still looks the same. Yeah, it's exactly. like your body always, still looks, no matter where it was, like, yeah. it still looks exactly the same totally. to the point, except like in your face. That's the only thing. Like, my mother-in-law was like, oh, my God, you're losing weight. I'm like, really? And no, she's I, like, well, your face is slimming, but the rest of me looks the same. I'm just I, like, oh, I was, okay. I was at a funeral. I was at a funeral um, uh, last weekend for my grandmothers, and um, you know, it was just at the end of my clan, so I dropped like 10 pounds of water. And then I mentioned that to my brother. He said, I'm, I'm, feel like I'm not getting smaller. He said, well, you look exactly the same. But he, and he said, you know, you always look exactly the same. <laughs> so it, 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 but after I, when I was younger, it would actually hurt my feelings. But when you think about it, that's pretty cool. That means I'm doing something right because I'm getting older. <laughs> yeah. I'm 40, and I'm looking the right. same way. But I, I, right. that's the thing, though. And that's a lie that the Internet is selling to you. The yeah. fact that you, we can all be like bodybuilding champion. No, you, we can't. I mean, uh, people easily accept that not everybody is meant to be an NBA player. Now, I'm right, fine right, today. Right. <laughs> I'll never be a basketball player. That's fine. But people don't have the same perception about muscular size. And a performance, you can improve it a lot further along than how much muscle <laughs> you can carry because of neurological aspects, for example. Yeah. But yeah. not everybody is meant to have tons of muscle. Everybody can look good, but that's mostly a matter of getting lean. I mean, at one point, you will be limited in the amount of muscle you can carry. And the only right. way to really change the way you look is getting leaner while preserving muscle mass. But you right. can still make tremendous improvement in performance. And by improving performance, you actually change the way the body looks. Not by increasing muscle mass, but making everything flow a bit better. In improving the tone of your muscles. Improving right. the way you carry yourself. 
But, you know, let's be honest. If, it, if everybody could keep on piling on and piling on muscle, everybody <laughs> who has been training for 20 years would look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Right. So we right. have to be realistic about what... what even Arnold doing. doesn't look like Arnold used to. Anyway. No, no, yeah. exactly. Not an even... Black and white photos about him. He's not looking well, at how he looks now. Yeah, people often think that if you have an increase in performance, then it must be predicated on your muscles getting bigger when right. they don't realize that it could be your technique improved, it could be your nervous system improved, your, your recovery is a lot connection. better. Yeah, exactly. Your recovery is a lot better. You're more confident. Confidence is better. So as a result of your confidence being better, you can pull yeah. more now. And then, you know, what's funny, you know, contract, a lot of times people give CrossFit a hard time for some of the technique flaws. But on the flip side of that, we have these technique Nazis out there. Yeah. That drive me nuts, where they just go around the Internet criticizing people's technique. Of course, there's no picture of them or any video of them doing anything. And when you meet these kind of people in person, the people that are just, okay, everything's about technique. All you got to do is master technique and then and everything else like falls in place. And, yeah, and that's not true. That's not true because, you know what, if you have great technique with lightweight, that shows, that shows competency. But if you, can, if you have great technique with really heavy weights, that shows mastery. And there's a big difference between the two. I don't care how great your technique is until you lift heavy weights and get used to the discomfort, like especially with deadlifts of lifting really heavy weights, you're not going to be strong. No. And, you know, take anybody, who, even people who have never lifted a weight in their life and have them squat an empty barbell. Coach them for 10 minutes and they can have pretty much perfect squatting technique provided that they don't have an injury. Uh, so it doesn't require much work to squat perfectly, but it does require a lot of work to squat well with a heavy right. weight. Right, right. Well, you'll see some dipshit where someone's deadlifting 900 pounds and some jack-off is like, oh, his back is rounding. <laughs> it's like, well, <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's 900 pounds, dipshit. The fact that his body didn't break in half well, is no, impressive. Exactly. <laughs> if, if you can actually lift yeah. 900 without tearing a muscle, you're not doing something like completely wrong. Right, exactly. The fact you actually did it without dying is yeah. you know, success. <laughs> you know, so you got these, it's just people making excuses for not lifting heavy. It's like, well, I focus on technique. I don't worry about how much I lift. It's like, yeah, that's, that's why you're weak. <laughs> you know, no, nobody, weak, nobody doesn't care about what they lift. I don't care what they Absolutely, lift. exactly. Why are you doing this, Dad? You know, uh, to show how great your technique is? <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm only, yeah. Well. <laughs> so that if your technique is per, so you can only have it one way. Now, if you say that I don't care about how strong I am, I, I only work technique. So that means that right now you are still working on technique, which means your technique is not perfect yet. You are criticizing somebody's form, <laughs> yeah, exactly. or your technique exactly. is already perfect. Then why <laughs> are you training? Yeah, how long because does it take to get good technique? If you only work on technique and it's perfect, then there's nothing to yeah. improve on. Right, exactly. Exactly. You, you can only improve technique to a point, right? I mean, yeah. you, can get, you can get really good at, at deadlift technique, and maybe you can get a little bit better, but it's it's so insignificant. It's not really worth prioritizing. Where working on something else would be more useful. It's like, okay, I've got this down. This is like you said. This is my weak area, so I'm going to address that now, and then yeah. come back to deadlift. Yeah, at one point, you need to fix exactly. weak point to improve technique. But I was I was talking to a good friend of mine. He's a chiropractor, and we were talking about uh, activation, movement correction, all that stuff. Yeah. And the thing is that 
your body has a natural tendency to function in a certain way. Like doing a certain movement pattern using specific muscle and muscle recruitment patterns. And you can't really change that. I mean, you can correct weaknesses to prevent your body from having breakpoints. But you always will have a tendency to, like, deadlift a certain way. And you can work on technique to correct the, the, the flaws. But when you ha- once you are under heavy load, the body will always move toward its natural tendencies. You can right, right. work toward making it tighter. Like, instead of having, like let's say, 20% deviation from perfect form, you're only going to have 5%. But we all have our natural tendencies, and we can only correct them to a certain point. So the best thing is to correct muscle weaknesses so that they don't become injury points when you have that deviation that you can't never move away from. Why do you think elite powerlifters still have to are still working on perfecting technique after 20 years of lifting it's because yeah. it cannot ever reach the perfect model but instead of focusing on trying to correct it correct it correct it accept that you will always be like 5% off and make the weak leg stronger so that you don't break under heavy stress right and i mean mark mark therapy weaknesses is the best yeah. way to improve technique yeah, one example of that is Mark Philippi would often recommend bicep curls, not for bigger arms, but as a preventative for bicep tears when deadlifting. Most biceps tear bicep occur when you're deadlifting. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know, especially, especially those of us who don't use the overhand, double yeah. overhand, mm-hmm. which exactly. is most people. <laughs> most yeah, of us use exactly. the overhand. Exactly. <laughs> Mark I always recommends overhand. Oh, you, yeah, overhand where you crush mm-hmm. the thumb? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah. Well, I've right. done that for like ever since I've... I always lifted for Olympic weightlifting, so I've always used a hook grip for everything. So I, right, I actually right. I'm not capable of using uh, like over under grip. I'm not comfortable doing it. it I can't straighten out my left arm fully because I've got bone on bone arthritis in my left yeah. elbow. Mm-hmm. So I mean that overhand, forget it, man. It's 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 way more painful. I mean it's just painful right away, even with the mm-hmm. lightweight for me to do that. It just exacerbates it. Where using using a palm up grip on that arm and then overhand on my right arm that. That just feels more comfortable. Yeah, yeah. I don't feel any pain in that area or anything. Yeah. But it just goes to show that there is not a perfect technique. Right. To me, to me, good technique is a continuum. It's not a line. It has to fall in a certain zone that is what I would say the zone that allows you to perform optimally without putting you at risk of injury. That is the proper technique zone. That's and right. if you get out of that, of course, that it's bad because it's inefficient or it's more likely to get it, get you injured. But you should not... When, when, when people say, I, oh, I know what works for me, it's like, well, you don't have the performance to back that up. So apparently you no, don't no, know exactly. what works for you because it, you're weak. So, it you know. works, you'd be stronger. <laughs> right. <laughs> you have to have some respectable numbers to back up a statement like, oh, I know exactly what works for me. It's like, all right, let's see what you got. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Like your definition of what works is quite a bit different than my definition of what works. <laughs> yeah. But again, it, and that's it, it's funny because that is typically a guy thing, right? Oh, absolutely. I was thinking oh, yeah. only up guys when I said it. Every exactly. guy, every guy knows 
They don't um, want to take advice, man. Even from a guy who's a lot stronger than them, they're just reluctant to take advice. Which to uh, me, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good, man. Taking steroids. Well, when when Mark Phillippe gave me advice, I didn't necessarily agree with everything he said and apply it right away. But I shut up and listened to what he had to say, and I, I let it sink in. Like, okay, let me listen to what he has to say, and because it, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be the best move for me to go, but. The fact that he's taking the time to give me advice, I should hear it out because it may be useful now or maybe useful later, maybe not be useful ever, but it's still worth listening to and being open-minded to it. Yeah, because he has reached a level that, that obviously knows that. But you know the thing with these super strong guys, though, that's the one thing. And, and not, just, not just necessarily the strong guys, but the, the elite-level guys, uh, even the coaches. Right. Also. Oftentimes, they – well, it's funny. They know what works. But they don't know what works. Ask yeah. them what is their secret. They're going to give you an answer, but it's never yeah. the actual answer. <laughs> but they don't know that. They right. actually think that what they're telling you is the secret. Because they, <laughs> what, what is working, they do it instinctively. That's what makes them so good. Right. But That's they right. don't know that it is what's working. They don't know how to explain it. So they, they think, well, I did that, that works, so that, that's my secret. So right. that's why the best way to learn from somebody is not to listen to them, is to watch them train. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. A lot of that's times people can't. Have, yeah, a lot of times we don't. Especially when something understand. comes easily. When something comes easily to us, like people would always ask me, oh, how'd you work up to heavy one-arm kettlebell snatches? And honestly, I was pretty good at that the first time I ever tried it. So working up to heavy numbers came quickly. So I don't, I don't really have great advice for someone who's not good at it on how to work up to that because I didn't go through that curve. And now with pressing, it's different. I wasn't a good presser at all, overhead pressing with kettlebells. Those I really sucked at. So I, I can give a much better advice there on how to get good at it because I wasn't good starting off. And that's very important that people tend to look at the strongest people at one lift for advice, whereas sometimes it's probably going to be the worst advice possible. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, that, like, just, yeah, just do it. Just do it. <laughs> you know, for example, the bench press. I was always good at the bench press when I was yeah. younger. Now, my uh -huh. best bench press is 445 at 220, which is pretty good. Yeah, it's But good. I can't bench press anymore now because... I sucked at the bench press. I mean, I was good at it because I was strong. <laughs> right. And I had yeah. good leverage. Yeah. But I ne because of that, I never learned the proper form and right. I messed up my shoulders. Right. right. But if you ask me how to improve your deadlift, then I'm going to be helpful because right. I was always bad at the deadlift. I had to work extra hard to reach decent numbers because my leverages are super bad. So I had to find every possible strategy to make my deadlift go up. But on yeah, a bench I've press, spent, I've spent so much time. Yeah, exactly. I've spent so much time deconstructing the deadlift and working on it and studying it and researching it that now when I give other people tips, it comes really fast. Like I just watch them do one rep. I know exactly what they need to work on. Like just like the way Mark Phillippe looked at me when I first came to him. It's like I'm not saying I'm as good as he is with assessing, but it's really fast now for me. I can just look at three different people deadlifting and, and quickly give them instruction on what they need to work on. Yeah, yeah and I think also that, that that comes from two things. First, it can be, again, that, that you were bad at one thing, so you really needed to learn it, or you are passionate about something. Because if you're passionate about something, then you're going to research it, even if you're good at it. So the best combination is being passionate and being bad. Now, right. that's a good teacher. Yeah, with the deadlift, I was good enough to be good at it, but to be okay at it without ever really studying it, right? So in other words, just brute determination, I was able to, to lift a, a pretty good, what most would consider a pretty good weight. But I wasn't able to get 
coming on three times body weight now until I really got good at studying technique and all the little fine points of it. So like five years ago, if someone asked me for deadlift advice, it wouldn't have been good advice. Now, if they ask me for advice on it, I feel like I could give really good advice. But, but being decently strong is a good place to be at, though, because it, it oftentimes, if you're really, really, really bad at something, oftentimes you'll just drop it from your program. Yeah, yeah, no but doubt. But if you're good <laughs> yeah. enough to enjoy a lift, then you're going to be like motivated when you train it. If I'm really bad at something, then That's every right. time it's my program, then I don't want to do it. <laughs> if you're good enough to be motivated, you're good enough to get gains from a workout. Because if you're not motivated by a lift, you can study it. You can find out all the best assistance exercises in the world, the best program. If you hate doing that movement, you will not get stronger in that movement. No, so true. I didn't, I, didn't start getting, I, didn't, I didn't start getting good at squats until I started enjoying the move. Now, yeah, now I look exactly. forward to doing squats. You know, exactly. Now that I found the lower bar placement and it feels good, now I'm like, fuck yeah, man, let's hit the squats. I'm no, exactly. Squats tomorrow. If I'm you are it. not looking forward to training a lift, then you're not going to progress on it. Right. So that's why I believe right. that the best system is the type of training that you actually enjoy doing. Of yeah, course, no something that you no just doubt. do like easy breezy training that is that you can do while chatting about your weekend. But it has to be a type. You know, I'm a low rep guy. If you tell me, well, to, okay, if you told me that if you do three sets of 20 reps on squat, you will squat <laughs> 300 pounds more at the end of the year. I would not do that program. <laughs> Even if it was guaranteed that I would squat 300 pounds more because yeah, I would brutal. not enjoy it. Oh, it's terrible. Man. High rep squats, those are the worst. Those are just oh, puking. They get that pukey feel. Like, even if you haven't yeah. eaten anything for a couple hours, this was well, a horrible Even, even high rep curls are bad because I get bored. Well, well, I get yeah. like really, really heavy no. low rep squats, though. Like I'm doing, I'm just doing lots of sets of one on squats and deadlifts now. I love it, man. It That's what great. I do. That's what I do. Yeah, it just yeah. feels perfect. I, I can I normally, I mean, and you talked about that, and it's funny because it resonated with me because well, that was before the the actual call. But when we talked before, because that's exactly how I train my big lift. It, it's between five and ten singles. And that's, yeah. that's how I train my big lift. And I'll do my volume and assistance work, like sets of three and five right, reps. Especially if you're trying to improve your one rep max, yeah. then why are you doing lots Specific of sets skill. of five? Yeah, why are you doing lots of sets of five? Only no. the first rep of those five is going to carry over. The other four Correct. are going to have minimal carryover. Yeah, exactly. Especially on deadlift squats, you know, maybe three reps or more is going to help you with that one. But even there, you know, lots of sets of one, just getting yeah. used to being comfortable you know, with heavy weights, not light weights. Yeah, yeah. It allows you to go really heavy mm-hmm. without burning out either. Yeah. Now, that's the other thing here. If I'm doing if I'm doing five sets of five with five hundred and five pounds, that that's going to have a tremendous toll yeah. on me. I'm going to be wiped out. People need for to two understand weeks. that when we're talking singles, that doesn't mean that it's all out effort. It could be like right, ninety, ninety-two right. percent. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's, heavy heavy it's, enough that it'll transfer over, but light enough that you can actually get some practice in. Correct, correct. It's strength skill. You're being good at displaying maximum strength. Yeah. Most people, you know, I, I do volume work. Well, to me, volume is five reps. Uh, yeah. Three to five reps, I do that on assistance work that are less demanding on the nervous system. Yeah, that's what I call the fun stuff. Whenever I work, I'm like, okay, you got to do deadlifts, and then the fun starts. And you it's know? never planned in the You do squats, and then it's party event. time. You get those squats out of the way, it's time to have some fun now. You got a big smile on your face, you go yeah. do some fun stuff now. And, and I never plan it in advance. <laughs> and I right, know right. what I want to work. You know, for example, let's say that today my, my training session was my overhead press session. 
So yeah. I knew that I, I was doing a military press as my, uh, I actually did like seven singles. Uh, then I wanted to do two exercises to improve that. I didn't know what to, what I was going to work on when I walked in, but I knew it would be some form of assistance pressing exercise. So right. I did three sets of five with cambered bar overhead press. Mm-hmm. Then I finished up with uh, the bamboo bar overhead press just to work on shoulder stability. So it was two other pressing exercises. I didn't know what they were before doing the session, but based on how my performance was on the overhead press, I decided, well, these movements will feel good. My, my yeah. last... Yeah pressing session, so about, uh, that was like five days ago, I still did my overhead press, seven singles, but my two assistance exercises was a log press for five reps, three sets of five, then I did partial overhead press from pins for three sets of five. So same main movement, but felt like doing different assistance exercises. Yeah, I like the idea, I like the idea of being spontaneous. In other words, yeah, you have a plan yeah. with the primary yeah. exercise, and then I you're spontaneous. Uh, I like that because the other day I was doing heavy deadlifts, and my plan was to do heavy double kettlebell swings afterwards, but my hands were pretty tore up after the yeah. deadlifts. Obviously, I cut it out and just did glute ham raise instead, which felt great. So I, I like that idea of not having to be so meticulous well, about you, the assistance. You just part. need what you need to accomplish. No, right, I want right. to work, you know, I believe, I believe that to be good at deadlifting, be good at overhead pressing, be good at the bench press, be good at what you have to do, the movement itself. Yeah, so that's a yeah, given. Yeah. I, I don't change a big movement myself. Uh, I, I, I understand that some people like to, like, not do the main movement. They, they do a variation of it and they change every three weeks. That's fine. I don't do that. Yeah, I, I never I got into that either. That I need to practice the main movement if I want to be good at it. I mean, we... If you stop, if I stop doing, let's say for Char- Charlie like, Francis was like that, right? Charlie Francis always had his athletes doing bench press, squat, deadlift, and they would just right. change reps in intensity, no. but you were always doing okay. those three moves. Absolutely. I mean, a person, uh, okay, I, um, I was deadlifting sumo for a while, so I, recently I focused more on conventional deadlifting. And yeah. uh, I didn't do sumos for about four weeks, five weeks. Uh, which is not that long, considering I've been lifting for about 25 years. Yeah. Uh, so yesterday, I was at a new gym. I didn't know. Uh, I was supposed to be doing squat from pins, but they didn't have the pins. So I said, well, I'm going to do deadlift instead. And I, I tried sumo, and it felt completely wrong. Completely yeah. wrong. I went back <laughs> to conventional and felt much easier. And I've been right. pulling sumo for about two years. I stopped for five weeks, and it felt completely odd. It's amazing how your body just adapts to something different and then basically forgets what you did. You could have been working on it forever, and and then you go back after a couple weeks, like you said, and it just feels totally alien. Yeah, so I prefer to keep that one main movement constant all the time, but the assistance work varies. And I believe that, you know, as long as you are working on weakness, it will work. Yeah, I was going to do the small lift squat program, you know, give myself a break oh, from deadlift work. Oh, I know. I, I, that's why I decided not to do it. I looked into it a little bit further. I was like, this is not a good fit for me. And also, I decided I don't want to go that long without deadlifting because, man, I'm going to be totally out of the pocket by the time I come back. Right. I'm, just now, I'm 20 pounds away from my goal on the deadlift. Last thing I want to do is cut it out for several months. Yeah. And, you know, it's, and it's funny you mentioned that program because, you know, I've – about three years ago, it was like the big thing in the CrossFit yeah. circle. And I, and I, oh, yeah. I worked yeah. with a lot of CrossFit athletes. I mean, that's probably my biggest clientele. And uh-huh. I've had, because I worked for them, with them for the Olympic lift, for example. Yeah. And um, 
for uh, like three years ago, doing small of was like the big thing in CrossFit. Like they, they use the small of junior, which is only four weeks, three or four weeks. Uh-huh. Right. And and I've uh, I've seen probably like thirty or forty people do it. I would say that one third had good results. One wow. third had no results. One I'm glad third you're telling me this. Lost <laughs> yeah, this is good to hear. <laughs> you know, the thing is that those who got great results were those who were injured, like CrossFit <laughs> athletes that had shoulder injuries. Okay. So they yeah. couldn't do anything but squat, and they made right, great right. progress. Those who kept on doing their regular CrossFit workout lost squatting strength. And yeah. those who were smart enough to decrease but still did some CrossFit work, basically stayed unchanged or had very little progress. That small yeah. thing, it's, it's so tremendously stressful on right. the nervous system right. that if you do any kind of other like our neurological exercises, you will lose the benefits from the program. Yeah, and I just don't care about improving the squat that much that I'm willing to make it priority. And plus, I don't think you have to take it to that extreme for me to, no. to hit my squat goal. Like, I want to hit five plates this year. I'm at 455, so 40 pounds. I don't, I don't need to go to that extreme to hit that goal. I can do that with the well, program I put just, together. As long as you keep practicing the squat and getting the muscles involved in the squat stronger, then you will yeah. reach that goal. Right, you don't need right. a specialized program. Special, and and I'll, I'll tell you my own personal experience with specialization programs. They work, but you lose the strength. I mean, yeah. uh, three years ago, I, I did a specialization program for three weeks on the snatch grip IPOL. Mm-hmm. So basically every single, well, five days a week, I would do a form of explosive pull, even snatch grip IPOL, snatch grip low pull clean grip pull, for example. And in three weeks, I was able to go from 125 kilos to 180 kilos, and that's to about clavicle height. That's a pretty strong pull. But three weeks after that, I was barely able to get 160, and that's even if I was getting stronger. And I haven't been able to hit anything over 165 since then, even though I did. I got stronger on squats, got stronger on deadlift, got stronger on presses. The fact that I stopped practicing my high pull, I just lost the strength. So specialization program gets you really strong for a brief period of time as long as you keep that motor pattern grooved in. Uh, So it's good for transient strength gains. Right. It's amazing how specific things are too. Like with these practice sets I do with kettlebell pressing, where I'll do sets throughout the day, yeah. and I'll find that it improves my one set performance. But if I start doing, let's say, five sets of five or something like that, it doesn't even carry over to that. In other words, my ability to repeat performance with short breaks in between sets, because now I'm used to having an hour or more in between each execution. And I, when you I go to three minutes, it, there's a big drop-off point. But you know, actually, and I was actually, I would actually go out on a limb and say that your multi-set performance might actually drop. And yeah. the reason is yeah. that think about it this way: uh, the more, well, that's actually truer for more bodybuilding or strength movement. Uh, the more efficient you become at recruiting muscles involved in the lift, the more. The, Earlier, you recruit the fast-switch fibers, right? If I'm more oh, efficient right. at recruiting a muscle, it means I'm turning on those fast-switch fibers much more easily, right? Now, if I'm turning on those fast-switch fibers earlier in the set, it means I'm creating more fatigue. 
So technically, my multi-rep performance will actually drop down, not because I'm weaker, but because I'm getting those fast-switch fibers involved much sooner, and since they're not fatigue-resistant, then they will drop off much sooner. So after three reps, for example, they're already fatigued, whereas in the past, they would not kick in before that third rep. So right. you were able to get three, uh, like six, seven, eight reps because yeah. fast switch fibers were not fatiguing as quickly. Right. So that's yeah. There's, there's such a level of precision with everything that yeah. I think that's why it's it's always marketing hyperbole whenever someone talks about oh this will carry over to that you'll, you'll have the what the hell effect. That's one thing they always talked about in Dragon Door. It's like oh you use kettlebells you get the what the hell effect. You're you get 20 pounds your bench press goes up magically your sprinting gets better you know, your pull ups get better. <laughs> Like, come on. Well, you know, maybe not, for someone who's never done any of those things. Like someone not, not someone not someone who's a yeah, not someone who's a good bench presser or a no. good sprinter or a good pull up ex you know, executioner or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> practitioner. You know, not someone who's good at those things. It, it, the only reason it may go up is maybe you overtrain those moves, so you're getting a break from it doing something else for a couple of weeks and so when you come back you're more fresh. Or if for example, if you never did like any work requiring stability. So right, for, right. Let's say, for example, the, at one point I, I specialized on gymnastic rings, right? Yeah. And actually that did improve my bench press, even though I stopped bench pressing. Well, I was still bench pressing like once a week for just for maintenance. And my right, strength right. did go up because my, my stability was really low because I always use like very fixed movement patterns. Yeah. But... After a while, it didn't lead to further improvement. It's just because it addressed a specific weakness. It's not right. so much that the, the rings will improve bench press performance on everybody. It did for me because it fixed a problem. Right. It, it's all about fi fixing problems while maintaining or improving technique on the big lifts. Yeah, I was able to get an improvement in my kettlebell overhead pressing by doing John John Hines' TNT cable device, right? So it has that resistance curve where it gets more intense as you get closer to lockout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So obviously I wasn't used to that sensation. So when I did that for a while and then went back to kettlebell pressing, and also you can hold the handles in a way where you can make the groove extremely precise to uh -huh. where it will be with kettlebells. When I went back to kettlebells, you just had this feeling of the weights just flying off from start mm -hmm. to finish because now you're, because you've never done that forced acceleration training before. No, and the band's really helped you train something that was untrained. So it right, made everything exactly. stronger because you fixed a weakness. Yeah, and you can't do forced acceleration with free weights. You know, it has to be some kind of device such as resistance bands. Some yeah, machines also work the same way, right? The machine works, gets heavier as you get closer to lockout. You know, that would be another way to do it. But it has to be some kind of device like that. Yeah, otherwise the body instinctively decelerates before it hits the hand of the random. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was a really interesting sensation, though. You just felt like there were hot air balloons, the way they would just fly yeah. right off. Huh. You know, it was pretty cool. Well, actually, it's funny because I remember one training session I did. Uh, it was on the overhead press. So I did uh, strict presses uh, with resistance band, like kind of like right. a west side kind of thing. And I uh -huh. did like 12 sets of two reps, kind of like the speed work, but with fairly heavy weight. And right. I said, well, I'm, I'm still going to practice my regular presses just not to lose the, the, the feeling of the movement. The first two sets, it felt like the weight, actually, as you just mentioned, it, it stopped feeling like anything once I, I got past the 90 degrees. But in the beginning, the weight felt like it was 2,000 pounds, even though it was fairly light. Oh, so interesting. I, 
So, so uh, the closer a movement is to the actual movement you're doing, the more negative adaptations you can have. So that's you know, why you know, the thing I, with the, I, the, I the, the don't TNT, always like bands. Because it well, the TNT cable up. band is different because it's very yeah. difficult from the very start. You know, it's, it's not, it's not yeah. like it's easy from okay. the start to eye level and then it gets harder. Uh, it's so extremely it's difficult yeah, to get it. Yeah, it's extremely difficult to get it moving, period. Okay, so it, it just basically means that the whole uh, range of motion is, is demanding. The whole concentric portion is extremely difficult. There is no negative, right? The bands want to come down easily, you know? but go, taking it from start to finish is extremely difficult from the start to the finish. Uh, and that would work. Otherwise, you, you, that, that's the one that, that the one, I never like really like bands because I'm, I'm personally very, very, very explosive. And I can use a stretch reflex really efficiently. So I can right. actually, with bands, create so much acceleration at the start when it's relatively unloaded that the bands actually don't do much for me because the acceleration is beating the band. But right, to me, right. it doesn't do anything because I'm already explosive. So it doesn't work on something that needs improving. For me, lifts from pins work mm. a lot better because it Taking, it's taking away the explosiveness. It's taking away right. the stretch reflex. To me, right. that makes me stronger because it's so starting starting right where your sticking point is. For example, let's say yeah, my exactly. sticking point is at shin level. I put the bar right there on the pins and then start mm. initiate from there. Yeah, now you need it's. I don't care what the what method you use as long as it's addressing a weakness of yours. Right. Right. No, that makes total sense. I mean, with the TNT cable, the only reason I don't use it anymore is because the starting point is so stressful on my left elbow that it's just not comfortable anymore. Because, I mean, those bands, I mean, just getting them into position, just stretching them from where you're standing on them on your feet yeah, to right I, below I, the chin, I, 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 I mean, that that is not easy to do. Just get it in place. I mean, those you're, you're shaking like crazy the first time you ever do it because it's, it requires so much stabilization. That's the other thing that it helps with. That it feels difficult before you even start pressing. It's not like it's easy and then it gets harder. It's no, it's no, no, difficult I, I, from the get go. I, I, I get a feeling, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. It's, it's something I've recommended to a lot of people over the years, especially for people who travel a lot because you can put it in a mm. suitcase, take it anywhere you yeah. want. When I used to go overseas a lot, I would take it with me and I would I would be able to keep practicing my pressing in the hotel room or wherever because I just had that device. It's light, it's portable. You can use it for other things too. So, I mean, you're not going to get the best workout in the world just doing bands, but it's better no, than nothing. No, but they're actually bands are awesome because you can at, at least maintain some muscle tone, some, That's right. some strength. That's right. I mean, it's not perfect, but it's better than not doing anything. That's right. Yeah, it's better than just body weight because there's yeah, some exactly. external resistance, at least, that you're working against. I, I, body weight, you know, I, it's not that I don't like body weight exercises. Some are, some are great, but you yeah. don't get the same feeling. You right, don't you don't. Get the feeling as resistance. Even when I used to do a lot of handstand push-ups between chairs and all that, people were always like, oh, man, get really good at handstand push-ups between chairs. Your military press is going to go through the roof. It didn't. Handstand push-ups went through the roof. Yeah, exactly. I, I got really good at handstand push-ups, too. I couldn't wait to go to the gym. I was like, man, I'm so good at these. I'm using my own body weight on handstand push-ups. I, I was expecting like 135 to feel extremely light as I worked up to heavier weights. I, I could barely press that because it had been so long. <laughs> I was yeah, like, only man, if you lift it upside this. down, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. You know what? I, I work with a CrossFit guy, 
and he needed to improve his strict handstand push-up. And we were able to, like a specialized program, working only on the handstand push-ups. He went from 11 strict handstand push-ups to 23 from a deficit. So wow. with like uh, on like uh, wow. about eight inches blocks, he was doing yeah. 23 reps. But his strict military press did not change. And he more yeah, than I, I, tripled his performance on handstands. At least it didn't change, though. You no, know? no, yeah. well, like my, mine actually went down, and I was doing like 15 handstands. It went down. Chairs. Yeah, it actually went down. But you know what? That's me, though. I'm, I'm not someone who has these magic carries over. If I don't work on something, yeah. I'm going to lose uh, it. I'm even exactly if I'm, work, even if I'm working never, on something I, similar. I like, well, like if, I, if I work on barbell overhead press for six months, and then I decide to go back to kettlebell pressing, I'm going to suck at kettlebell pressing yeah. because it's a totally different group and vice versa. That's just the way I am. I'm not someone who has these magic transfers. No, I'm the same way about. you are. And I think and, and I think that you are making such an important point that some people, because I don't know if it's because they have the motor skill, but they have much easier time transferring strength <laughs> gain from one lift to the other. I don't. Yeah. That's why yeah, personally, I and I love Louis well. Simmons stuff. I love his science. I never was able to get strong using Westside Barbell. Right, uh, because right. I need to practice something to be good at it. I can't rotate my lift and expect my performance to go up. I remember one time I was talking about handstand push-ups, and my friend John Hines was there, and he's a big body weight training guy. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, man, how how much did your pressing improve with handstand push-ups? And he had all of his students there, too. So he was expecting me to say it went through the roof so that he could turn to his students and be like, see? And then I was like, I was like, it didn't move up at all. And then he had this look on his face of like disappointment. He quickly changed the subject. <laughs> I knew where he was trying to lead me too. I was like, nope, not going there, dude. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, I don't think he wanted me to lie for him, but he was hoping that my honest response would be like, oh yeah, man, my barbell press went through the roof. Yeah, <laughs> be two records. Well, especially people who do handstand push-ups where they're just touching the top of their head to the floor. It's just a partial range. That's definitely not going to improve your military that's not, practice. That's not you know? working the weakest part of the range of motion. And then you're doing it against a wall, so there's not as much stabilization. Mm-hmm. So there's so many factors. I could understand maybe freestanding. And I was doing them against a wall, to be clear, too. I wasn't doing freestanding on, on a park or somewhere. Yeah. You know, I was doing them against a wall between chairs. But there's so much less stabilization that you ha- you still have to stabilize. It's not like it's easy. But it's a lot less than doing it freestanding. Yeah, yeah. But I think that this whole conversation, the one point that everybody should be taking out of it is that some people naturally can transfer gains from one movement to the other. I, right. not, some people can't. Some people right. need to practice the main lift all the time. Some people don't need to do that. Now, Paul Carter, my good friend, for example, doesn't need yeah. to deadlift to improve his deadlift. If right. I don't deadlift, my deadlift doesn't go up. Well, I'll give you an example of a good friend of Sincere's and mine, Steve Cotter. He's really good at one-legged squats. He may be the best in the world at one-legged squats. He can use two 70-pound kettlebells and bang out reps on the one-legged squat. And he's really good at barbell squat, too. I mean, he would be even better if he actually worked on it. But with never working on it, he could squat double body weight or more anytime he wants without practicing it. And a lot of, I know a lot of other people that are pretty good at one-legged squats, almost as good as he is, and they're not good at all at barbell squats. Yeah. You know, they can do reps with a two fifty-pound kettlebells. They can't squat twice body weight, barbell squat twice body weight. So yeah. it's just it's just one of those things where that people are like, oh man, if I get really good at one-legged squats, it's going to carry over to two-legged, and often that's not the case. It's a totally different skill set. And it's it's not necessarily a, a matter of having weak points because, for example, let's say that. 
myself, for example, I, I say that my core is very, very strong. So people could say, well, if your front squat's going up uh, and your back squat is not going up, it's because your core is weak, for example, or your lower back is weak. No, it's not because right. it's very strong. <laughs> Right. Uh, so, so it's just that if I don't back squat, my back squat doesn't go up. It's funny because and I, I, at the moment I'm doing only like uh, Frankenstein squats from pins and Zercher squat from pins. I'm, I'm not doing any back squat. I actually did some back, back squat last week just to see. And actually my, my Frankenstein squat, which is a front squat without ends, actually felt and I could do, I, I, I use only the same weight. I, I basically, like, let's say that I did like a uh, let's say I did a like 385 Zercher squat. Well, I put on 385 on back squat, and it felt harder than the 385 on the Zercher. Normally, I should yeah. be able to just because I I stopped. You know, it was still easy, but it felt heavy because I stopped right, back right. squat. It, it feels up. heavy. That's the sensation more than anything else. It's just that yeah. feeling of whoa. Yeah, feels I have heavy. muscle strength to lift it up, but I I couldn't. Right. Right. You would expect I mean, my Zercher, for example, went from 315 to 395. So you'd expect my squat to go by 50 pounds. It, it wouldn't. Right. It, actually, I would have to work from starting a new cycle on squat for six weeks to, for it to go up. But some right. people will have that direct transfer. Some people don't. And it's not a matter of weaklings. It's a matter of some people have the neurological setup to be able to be good at transferring strength from one movement to the other. Some people probably people have that them. have... It's probably people who have high levels of acetylcholine, you know, their brain mm. chemical. Those yeah. are people who pick up things quickly. Mm. That makes sense. Because I know that I'm deficient in acetylcholine because one of the supplements that works the best for me is alpha-GPC, which indicates that my acetylcholine is, is deficient because it increases it. So that would make sense. Yeah. Right. Well, a lot of us are like, I'm more dopamine driven. You know, that's why I always want to reward with the workout. Like I have a goal in the workout and I want to achieve it. Mm -hmm. you know, that's something that's important to me with each session. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a PR, but it has to be something, some kind of success. Yeah, well, yeah. I don't learn things. Yeah, I don't learn things quickly and I don't get bored easily either. You know, I can I can do those same moves over and over again yep. without, yep. Becoming, without it becoming tedious. Some people make poor assessments, though, like you just did, talking about the core. Like, a lot of people go, oh, man, you need to work on your core, but otherwise you're, that's why your back is rounding. I was like, man, I can do dragon flags all day long. Yeah. I don't need to work on my core. I can do no. dragon flags. I can do standing ab wheel rollouts. I can do all that shit. <laughs> you know? It goes back to what I was saying. I think that we all have our naturally efficient movement pattern, and we tend to rely on those when we go heavy. We can force ourselves to get out of our regular path, uh, with light weights, but when we get heavy, we go to a natural tendency. But you know, round back deadlifting is not necessarily a bad thing. Many elite deadlifters that live that way, as yeah, long Bob, as it Bob stays Peebles in purposely, that position. Yeah, Bob Peebles purposely let that happen because he said yeah. it was a waste of energy to try to hold your back in a certain yeah. position. But it has, the, to stay, it has to start rounded. If it like start arch and it ends up rounded, then you're probably doing something wrong. But that if it makes starts no neutral or rounded, that then in its yeah, I'm definitely not right. starting arch. I'm starting. I, I wouldn't say I'm excessively rounded either. I'll, I'll send you a clip. Actually, I, yeah. I would. I'd like to get your feedback. I did a recent PR in the deadlift. I'll send it over to you for your feedback. But it's it's a slight rounding, and it doesn't become excessively rounded as I go either. It just stays yeah. with the I'm slight the same rounding. Way. When I when I do conventional, I have a slight, very slight rounding. Right, right. And, and I, I think I when you're using that, I think when you're using that alternating grip, it makes it harder to not be a little bit rounded as well, if I'm imagine. not mistaken. I yeah. Imagine. 
I think people who have that overhand grip with the thumbs locked in, I think a lot of those people tend to be a little bit more in that arched position. And that's, that's but pretty much you tend, you tend to have that you tend to have that bar slide happening, and then it's, it's kind right, of like that, right. oh shit, let me grab the bar at the last minute where you have at least one of those hands supporting, you know, with the with the undergrip, you got you got a little bit of a base, a platform for support under that bar to kept push it up and give you a little bit mm-hmm. more to get things going, and so yeah. that's like one of the reasons why I tend to gravitate, you know, to the over and under compared to both overhand grips, so because I feel that slip. It's like okay, I yeah. got some more chalk on because I don't because one thing about once you feel that thing slip, it it kind of screws everything up mentally. Oh, uh, but know, it's actually it. I, I, it's because of the homunculus. Mm-hmm. No, the homunculus is the neural representation of your body and your brain, and yeah. your hands is the region that has the highest place in your nervous system. So anything that affects how your hands are feeling during a movement affect the movement pattern. So the mm-hmm. move the moment you, your hands are either either hurting. Uh, like let's say when you have or like an open callus, for example, uh, yeah. you, either it's like hurting or you feel like a very slight slip. Actually, you might have like plenty of grip strength left, but you still feel like just a little bit of sliding. It will negatively affect your movement pattern because your hands are sending so many signals to your nervous system that you don't have the resources to properly coordinate the movement pattern. Right. So that's why in CrossFit, for example, when I work with CrossFit athletes, I, I, I would rather have them use straps than deadlift or do the Olympic lifts with uh, calluses open because the perception of their hands will negatively affect their movement pattern, quality of movement, because it will take up too much nervous energy just to process the signal being <laughs> sent from your hands. You can always yeah, tell when thing. someone's like hands in kettlebell, are in kettlebell training. In kettlebell training, we always talk about you know the proprioceptors in the hands, and because you always have people just starting off with kettlebell training. Of course, they've seen people with their hands ripped, so you have a lot of people coming up with gloves. Which I was like, no, you don't want to wear those gloves because a you want <laughs> yeah. you want to make sure that your hands are getting the signals that it needs to hold that handle the, the correct way. Yeah, and actually, Otherwise, the way your hands feel is one of mm-hmm. the best way to know if your nervous system is tired. If it's efficient or not. If if you start a workout, a deadlift workout, you have like 135 just for a warm-up, and the bar feels heavy in your hands, then you know your nervous system is either not activated or burned right. out. So yeah, exactly. Because the, the grip strength is the first thing that goes when the nervous system is fried and are also not activated or not ready to work. Exactly. So you hear that, ladies? When he's touching you, he's just trying to send the signal to the brain, send the signal to other places. You know, hey. <laughs> so that's all it is. <clears throat> so yeah, man. See, this is the type of stuff that people need to hear at the beginning of the year and not all this other crap, you know, by getting to the gym and, you know, starting their 90-day program and going to lose all this other stuff within that time. And then, hey, that's all you need to do is just turn it on, just push play and all the other crap. I was asked for an article uh, because it's at the end of the holidays, right, the New Year resolution crowd. <laughs> now, what is your best tip to be motivated for the new year. I say, well, <laughs> if you need a resolution to start working out, then you know you're not going to stick with it. Right. You, know, you have exactly. to get into the habit of training way before the new year. If you start training with the new year, you will not stick with it. You know, it has yeah. to be something that yeah, the motivation has to come from a passion from training, a passion for improving. I mean, yeah. really, why are we training? It's to improve. 
right. doing work and then seeing the results, either by performance or look. But that has to come from you being passionate about making positive changes, uh, not for other people because I, I mentioned that earlier, and that is the honest to God truth. Nobody cares about you. Nobody. Right. Nobody on social media cares that you have benched five, uh, 50 pounds more. They, they might like problem. and make a positive oh. comment because it requires zero effort. And, and as you pointed out, many people make comment just to get attention. Right. Those people will they will find a way to get that discussion back to themselves. That's but people exactly don't right. care. So the only person who should the only reason why you should be training is yourself because that's the yeah. only person that cares about what's happening. Yeah. And and no one should care more than you do no. about no, your own that's your life. You know? I mean, come on. No one should no one should be making the goals for you. Why don't you have your own goals? Why do you have to ask someone what your goals should and be? You, you, should be you should be the lead actor in your own movie, not the supporting right. actor in somebody else. Right. That's exactly <laughs> right. right. It's funny you were talking about the grip with deadlift. I was just thinking about how when you can always tell when someone's about to lose the bar because the second they get the lockout, they immediately lower. Right? Yeah. I mean, that bar comes. Yeah. They don't fixate the lockout and hold it for a second. They lower that bar so fast, like it's almost falling out of nope. their hands. Like, no, nope, trust me. Nope. When you make a big deadlift, when you make a big deadlift, you're proud of lifting. You stick at the top for a few seconds. Oh, I want to make sure everyone exactly. saw. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't just deadlift. I didn't just deadlift. I held that for like ten seconds. I was like, "Yeah, folks, hey, look for the marker." I didn't get it. No one helped me get this here. Anyway, you want to enjoy that feeling of like, man, I just pulled this off, and I'm going to hold on to it for a minute. This feels good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Speed for the core. <laughs> it's a, it just it just kind of solidifies that you actually did it right. Like if you lock yeah, it out and then you, to, have, you and then you have to lower it immediately. That because, weight. Yeah, exactly. You want to feel like you mastered, like you crushed it. You don't want to barely get it, and then it's about to fall out of your hands. So you lower it as fast as you can before it drops. That that doesn't if the first thing you you in confidence. Like it does, it is, does it count? That yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. When, when you're doing a like PR squat. And the first thing you ask is, was it low enough? Then no, it's not low enough. Well, I mean, I was. I mean, what's funny is someone who's never seen low position squats before. They they don't really get it. They think it's a good morning, and they're like, oh, does that even count? And like, I had one guy telling me that. I was like, look, motherfucker. You know, I was looking at the mirror in front of me when I was squatting. I know how deep I got. Right? It's like, yeah, my back probably was in a position that made you uncomfortable because you have a weak back. I don't have a weak back, and I didn't feel it in my back either. You know, the bars in my center of mass. So a lot of times, people just misunderstand things. They don't really understand what they're seeing. No, exactly. That, that's why you know, I like to train by myself in the facility that nobody trains. Right. Uh, right. No, it's fine because sometimes we do things, and people who have no understanding, uh, well, he's just doing some crazy stuff when he doesn't know how to lift. <laughs> well, uh, if, him, if I'm doing, for example, I never do would do good mornings in a crowded gym because people don't understand what a good morning is. That guy doesn't know how to squat. No, I'm, I'm doing. <laughs> I've trained more pro athletes than you than you know by heart. So it's, right, I've trained right. And I don't know how to squat. Well, I don't know why anyone would look at you and say you don't know what you're doing because you no, obviously, no. you know, you have you have a you know an impressive physique. Because anyone who looks at you should be like, you know what, well, that guy's doing crazy shit, but he definitely knows what I he's doing. Always find the way. 
Yeah, but then again, you have many like douchebags who have good physiques, who have good upper bodies. And- oh yeah, it definitely doesn't mean you know what you're doing, yeah. but it, it, it's also but it's also a sign that you that you have achieved something yeah. of merit because you wouldn't be able to get there. Yeah, definitely. That's the other mistake a lot of people make is they overqualify people with their physiques too much. Yeah. They're like, well, shit, he knows what he's doing. I'm going to hire him. It's like, well, he knows what works for him. He's not. He yeah. doesn't necessarily know what's going to work for you. That's a different skill set. Yeah, and it also goes back to what you were saying when you mentioned that when you did kettlebell snatches, it, it came naturally to you. But some people like just are born with gift for having good physiques, or they use drugs to get there. So right. That right. doesn't mean that they can understand what how an average person can train to look better. But again, what I mentioned is that. You should always try, train mostly to improve performance and diet for looks because it is my honest opinion that regardless of how you train, regardless of the training methods you use in the gym when it comes to strength training, after 15 years, 10, 15 years of intense uh, training, you will look like you're designed to look muscle-wise. Yeah. Even if you train yeah. for powerlifting, you train for bodybuilding, your body will carry the amount of muscle mass it is designed to carry after 10 to 15 years of hardcore training. Right. So it doesn't really matter uh, the type of training you do as long as it's hard and it's intense and it's smart. But the type itself has little bearing on how you look, in my opinion. Yeah. Diet has a lot more to do with how you look. So basically train to for, to function, perform better, and if you want to look better, just eat a little less. Yeah. That's no, I think that's really good advice. And that's advice where I've had to – I'll have people emailing me on articles I wrote 14 years ago, which I don't necessarily agree with anymore, but I still have to address it. You know, So someone will be like, oh, I read your article on high-octane cardio. It's not that I don't think those are good workouts, but I framed those workouts as this is great for fat loss back then. Yeah. And now now my attitude is more, look, you can get lean on any workout regimen you want if Correct. the nutrition is there. I can do powerlifting low reps and if my diet is accordingly good, I'm going to get lean as I'm going to get as lean as I want. And to contrast that, you can do those high octane cardio workouts and if your diet sucks, it's you're not going to get lean to it's going to be to no avail. 100%. So you know, I, I, but, but in terms of improving conditioning, those programs are great. I've just had to frame it differently now with just a greater understanding than what I would do then. Then I'm coming in with the naive notion that a lot of people have novices, you know, chase reps in order to get lean. That's the best recipe for being a normal disaster. Yeah. yeah. You're doing too much volume to compensate for a bad diet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and if exactly. you want to be a normal mess, that that's the solution right there. Well, that's someone who has a lot of guilty issues, right? Like, in other words, they'll yeah. eat a donut and then they go jump on the treadmill. It's like, well, Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> you know I mean? Well, actually, well, if, walk, if I walk eat a donut, first of all, it won't be one donut. It will be 12. Yeah, like, exactly. If I, if no I one just has one. <laughs> and I want to go squatting because I said, well, I, I, know, I, I just messed up health-wise. I messed up fat-wise. At least I'm going to get some performance out of it. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to retain all that water from the inflammation that's going to cushion my joints. I'm happy it's going to be strong. I might have a heart attack during the set, but at least it's quite heavy. Yeah, I remember, uh, I think it was Charles Pollock who wrote, he's like, you know, I think all of us trainers should admit our guilty pleasure meals, and his was Dunkin' Donuts with milk or something like that. 
And I had to be honest, man, I was like, I don't have those kind of problems, dude. I don't, I don't have guilt when it comes to food. You know, I eat healthy, not because I not because I'm forcing myself to, because I actually want to. And if, if I deviate from that, it, to me, it's just fun. I don't have any guilt over it whatsoever. I think that the, I have, the best secret, I think, for, because you know just as well as I do, is that, uh, the only people who have long-term success changing their body are those who make not don't do diets. They they do like, they change their habits. That's right, the only right. way to get really long-lasting results. But the only way to make real changes in your habit is to actually enjoy what you're doing. Yeah. You know, yeah if so if you don't enjoy or find a way to enjoy the taste of healthy food then you're right. just going to go back to eating crap because you don't That's enjoy right. uh, eating healthy. And there's uh, an alternative, which is eating crap that is really available <laughs> to you, and it's actually right. less expensive. And it's going so to give you the payoff. It's going to give you the immediate payoff. Yeah, it'll give you the payoff you're looking for right now. You know, That's what makes it so compelling for people. Yeah. Is yeah. If I go eat this donut, I'm going to get this payoff every single time. That's going to yeah. be there. Yeah, and you both have the, the serotonin increase, and some actually get dopamine increase because they, they, they feel like it's, it's the same. Now, eating something that's forbidden leads to the same hormonal rush as doing something that is forbidden. The forbidden right, fruit right, is actually, it's actually right. a real phenomenon and releases dopamine. Like, I'm cheating on my diet. You know, bad. I'm right. a bad girl. Exactly. I'm cheating on my diet. You're an idiot. Sitting <laughs> <laughs> all aroused in the car eating that croissant. <laughs> I'm a bad girl. <laughs> I'm going to be so pissed off. <laughs> it's like, fuck you, salad. I'm having this. <laughs> Can't tell me what I can do. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's the boss of me. <laughs> I, th- I think anytime, anytime food is used as a narcotic, there's always an underlying reason. You know, it's not because there, there's something there that you're trying. There, there's some problem you're trying to cover up or whatever always. it is. You know, that's why that's why your behavior is manifesting this way. Yeah, no, I, just like for the same reason that when people like have emotional issues, they turn to food because of the serotonin increase. It just makes them feel better and actually numbs the pain. So if I can, have, I can always tell when my brother's stressed because he'll go to Whole Foods and get like ten boxes of vegan cookies. You know, yeah. he's like he kills three bags in twenty minutes. Like, yeah. all right, what are you they're, dealing they're with? They're vegan <laughs> cookies, so they're good for you, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's the mistake a lot of us who eat vegan diets make too. Is they're like, well, it's vegan, so I can eat vegan. Well, ice cream well, and technically, isn't Dunkin' Donut vegan? What do you think it's about it? It's always beer. Uh, I don't know if it <laughs> There's is. There's no meat in, in a donut. No, Dunkin', no, it's not. It's not. Well, shit, technically, a McDonald's hamburger is vegan these days. <laughs> yeah, because if you want to say truth about it. It's not healthy, but it, there's very <laughs> little meat in no it. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, shit, it's a lot easier to make a fake hamburger than a real one. These guys just chase the money. <laughs> they'll, they'll, they'll <laughs> yeah. They're not... They're not you know, supporting factory farms because they feel good about hurting animals. They, they're doing it because it's, they're cheaper, making a cheap yeah. product. So if they, if they can make right. an even cheaper product by doing something else, believe me, they'll do that and increase their profit yeah. margin. They're not. They're like, oh, this is better for the environment. Let's go this way. They're like, no, it's better for yeah, our that, stockholders. That, that's still the spin <laughs> they're going to use, though. What? Yeah, 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 exactly. Well, anytime a corporation can try to put some kind of humanitarian spin on anything they yeah. do, they're going to go for it. They're not going to help Jimmy the cancer kid without the cameras being around. It's like it's like Meryl Streep with her little speech at the Golden oh, Globes, man. It's yeah. like, come on, yeah. Meryl. 
You know, it's like, let's say you say that when the camera's not on. It's like, you get rid of all of us. You just have MMA and have football. And that's not art. I'm like, tell us an MMA fighter in this face. Somebody say that in front of like Ronda Rousey's face. Especially right now, the way she's feeling. Well, right now, if Meryl Streep. Well, if Meryl Streep can throw a punch. If Meryl Streep can throw a punch sincere, she'll be okay. Yeah, exactly. She can probably end up. All Meryl has to do is crack Ronda in the nose, baby. Just one punch. That's all it takes. <laughs> I, I, I think I actually that uh, Meryl Streep does have pretty good range. I think so. I think she's, no, she's a great actress. Yeah. She's a great, but it's just funny to me when these actresses so try to be more range. than that. They try I was to talking be like, okay. punching range. She's about a punching range. <laughs> oh, punching range. Okay. <laughs> yeah, she may, she may have great range there too. So yeah, I, yeah, I like to see her tell Amanda Nunes that and give her that same speech. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it, it was like, dumb on, for her to girl. it was dumb it was dumb for her to add that to that sentence. You know, if she said that, yeah, that was like, about throwing that in there, it's like, like why are you doing so why, well. why are you yeah why are you ostracizing two groups who have nothing to do with what you're saying here yeah. unnecessarily? <laughs> you know, and that pretty much all of us like, like at least one or the other. Right, right. But the, you know the but the best thing was to actually look at like Vince Vaughn's face when he's looking at it, like can someone please shut her the hell up. <laughs> Because <laughs> he was just looking like, really? Why is she talking so much? Well, at, at the same time, Donald Trump's tweets are embarrassing, man. He's like fucking oh giving Schwarzenegger a hard time over the. It was like, oh, your ratings aren't very good, Apprentice. I was like, come on, Mr. President. You have something else to do. To the Turn your TV off and your Twitter account, okay? <laughs> come on, come on, like, oh, Meryl Streep is. You know, she's uh, she's not a very good actress. Like, look, man, you can't slam her on that. She's a great actress. You know, she's. She, no, you know what? Over, she's she's she overrated. She, she's not she overrated. You gotta say something else. Yeah, she could take a page out of his book. Wrong. <laughs> You're not <laughs> yeah, wrong. <laughs> I was like, yeah, this is what I want. I want the president on Twitter arguing with people. Oh my god, having a Twitter <laughs> war with great, Meryl Streep. That's a great use of time, man. Well, yeah, it's yeah, it's, we're, it's, we're in Canada, we're just as bad. Now we have uh, Justin Trudeau was the selfie boy. So, oh yeah, thinking like selfie was with anybody, with everybody. Oh yeah. man, that's not better. Yeah, it's just it's just the way things are going to be for a while. Yeah, this cult, is just the, cult the world of personalities now. You don't have any real like world leaders now. It's just all these personalities. Well, yeah, Putin. Putin. exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah Putin. You know, when the, when the, the most normal troll. world leader is Putin, then you know you have a problem. Exactly. When he's trolling all these other leaders, it's just like, okay, yeah, you can keep saying that. You're just making me look good, buddy. It's like, come on. To the point where people are celebrating Castro. It is definitely like, that's, that's what you got to say about your, you you say about your leadership when your own people are celebrating. When your people in the so-called free world are celebrating Castro's death, like, he was a great leader. Like, wait a minute. You know how Prime Minister Trudeau, uh, when Castro died, it took him, it took him uh, three hours to make a positive comment on social media. When they had the, the, the last, uh, the, the, the tourist attack in Berlin, it mm. took him four days to make a comment on the situation. And he <laughs> is it a bad internet connection? I mean, it's, it's, probably. <laughs> I mean, you know, of course, the government doesn't have any decent internet, right? <laughs> no, but it's, it's just amazing to me what people will comment on. But I'll use it to get my agenda out there. So when I see people arguing on this stuff, I'm like, you know what's more important than this, folks? Helping Project Child say, <laughs> you know, go help my friend Ty Ritter rescue kids that are in sex slavery. It's like, what are people going to say to that? Oh, fuck you, Mike. We don't want to hear that shit. I mean, that's probably what they're thinking, but they can't say it. No, because I'm bad. talking about rescuing kids, man. So you, there's no way like you're not going to look like an asshole. Yeah, exactly. There's no way you can argue with me and not look like a dickhead. 
So don't they don't want to sit there and be like, I don't want to look like I don't look like a bigger asshole than Donald Trump. Like, so I'm just gonna be quiet. So, <laughs> so sometimes, like on Facebook, I'll put up something like I put up this post about fat shaming, which is not something I care about one way or the other. But I knew it would get a lot of attention, right? And sure enough, it did. It's like 50 people posting, and they're going back and forth, blah 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 blah, pro and con. And then I was like, you know what's really sad, folks? I go, this post is getting more than all of the posts I put up on Project Child Save and Saving Kids from Sex Slavery together. And then, of course, no one responds to that. And now, one person. <laughs> yeah. And then one guy who's a cool guy, he's a listener of our show, Sincere, and he gets on there, Al. And he's like, oh, you know, a lot of people just find this. He's like, I don't agree with it, but a lot of people just find this too tough a subject to deal with. I was like, yeah, because they're fucking pussies. That's the problem there. <laughs> it's like, oh, I don't want to hear about these kids suffering. It makes me feel bad. I was like, well, I don't care about how you feel about it. Let's focus on how they're feeling. You know, people, are, people always have to bring back everything to them. Well, this is how exactly. it makes me feel. It's like, well, get over yourself, dipshit. <laughs> yeah. I'll go back to my, my original point. Nobody cares about you. Start start from that point and normally. That sounds like a good book. Nobody cares about it. Exactly. I think probably Dennis Leary would would write that book, probably. Yeah, that's a whole. You could have a whole bit on that. (laughs) Probably did. Yeah, it's so true, man. Well, hey, man, it's always a pleasure to have you. It's always great that you're so generous with your time. We're coming on over two hours here. We don't want to keep you all day, but what do you have? What do you have coming up in the? We know you have a lot going on this year. Is there anything that's imminent? Something coming up soon? Uh, well, my, my next trip uh, is in Poland, so that's that's the end of the week. Oh, cool. uh, the end of the month. Sorry. Where whereabouts uh, in actually, Poland? Pardon? Yeah. Whereabouts in Poland are you going? Uh, Rockla. Okay. But um, I have a pretty busy year, so it would be too long to mention all the dates. So that's going to be on my uh, my website at tibarmi.com anyway. I'm sure they'll like you, and then you'll be back again and again and again. Yes. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's my Joanna. That's my bad. That's, that's my bad Joanna Young Chechek imitation there, Polish girl. <laughs> 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 okay, Kamina does not approve, Mike. <laughs> no, no, that was. I, I have a pretty good Polish imitation. That just wasn't. I'm just, I'm just having I mean, an I off mean, moment. That, that part of the show was supposed to be about me, man. <laughs> See? Come on. No one cares about you, Christian. Come well, on. I'm, 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 I'm confident. I'm confident <laughs> they'll come back to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you have the course coming up in Poland. And oh, we don't what care. else after? <laughs> no, I'm sure people don't. I'm just trying to make you feel good. I mean, no one's listening at this point. They've already shut No, off. exactly. It got boring, like, when the political started. <laughs> They're like, well, shit, I only listen to Sincere on the show for the free info he's putting out. I don't want to have to actually pay anything. <laughs> I don't want to have to pay Mike, Sincere, and Christian. kicked in now, so they didn't stick around long enough, man. I was like, I don't want to pay any of these three guys for their advice. That's what the show is for. You know? I always say, like, you know, like, look, man, if you're a fan of my free information, you should be a fan of my paid information, too. No, because I only give you, like, the used stuff, the one that everybody knows about. But the really cool stuff, then it, it's worth <laughs> the things. <laughs> well, if someone's been a fan for 10 years, they should have bought something from you. That's always my Exactly. Does that really work like that, really? If you just became yeah, a fan last week, I get it. Maybe you're you're, you're taking your time delving into hey, what man. I have out there. Hey, man, long time fan of the show, man. Like, really? I don't see your name on this Patreon list at all. Well, I'm it's like, like someone who's like, oh man, I can't believe I can't believe my favorite band stopped performing. I was like, I'll tell you why they stopped performing because you never buy their music, you don't buy their T-shirts, you don't go to their shows. So what do you think they're gonna do? Exactly. 
exactly. you're listening to all their music on YouTube, and then you're like, oh, these guys can't make a career? It's like, no, they can't. <laughs> and that's the thing. I, personally, I would actually do every single thing for free. I mean, I, I just love talking, training, and helping people. But yeah, at yeah, one sure. point, I mean, we all have to make a living. Exactly. I mean, you want people to value what you're saying, too. And the, and the bottom line is they're not necessarily going to value it because they're paying for it, but they're definitely not going to value it if they're not paying for it. That's just a exactly. reality. They'll pay a little bit more attention to it when there's, you know, it's going to, on that credit card statement. Absolutely. You know, right. Especially right. if they have a partner, you've got you to justify that. Like, okay, so you went to this course, but and what did you get out of it? Yeah. You're, still, you're still fat. You're not strong. And the sex, the sex still sucks. So what did you learn? <laughs> Well, I mean, oh, the, first time, on, on, the first time you were on the show, <laughs> the first time you were on the show, Christian, people were like, oh, man, that was great. I hope you guys get him back again soon. I was like, why? You you applied everything that he conveyed yeah. on that first episode? <laughs> you spend the rest of the year working on that stuff. Well, to be honest, if and that's people in general, and not just like your show, it's like any podcast or any seminar, if they can yeah. take like one thing and apply it properly. Then yeah. I've done my job. That, that, yeah. that that's enough for me. Because most but, but, people, but people yeah, like people like collecting things to apply, but they don't like applying it. No, that's it, a lot that, harder. That, they they, they want to know all this shit. The internet. Yeah, exactly. They want to know all this stuff. Yeah. Info orders. They don't want to. They don't want to know from experience, though. <laughs> you know? No, no, it, it's it's the yes but phenomenon. They go on the oh, internet. Man, we talk about that yeah, all the time. That guy, <laughs> said that. Yeah, but the whole yeah, yeah but crew. Yeah, but. Yeah, they're just info hoarders, man. This is like they're like the Walmart of info. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you, know, you know what's the worst about that, Kudo? And Mike, you mentioned that earlier. Man. When people yeah. start quoting you to argue against yourself. Oh, I know. I know. Like, like, that that. like, wait a minute. I said it. No, you didn't. Yes, no, I you, did. you wrote that 15 years ago. Like, yeah, that was episode 112. What are you talking about? I said that. Well, no, no, you're right, Christian. Like they'll try to be like, well, you're a hypocrite because back yeah. in 2001 you said this. I was right. like, no, I'm not a hypocrite. I've just learned a few fucking things since. I'm, exactly. I'm an evolutionist, dude. I'm a, I evolved since yeah. then. I okay. stopped learning in 1997. <laughs> Trading has not like, evolved since then. How, how sad would it be if all I can say now is what I was doing 20 years ago? That that would be pretty pathetic. No, no, exactly. I, I didn't <laughs> learn a single thing. I basically wasted my time for the last 20 years. No, I I, have, I put a post of me deadlifting or something. People are like, oh man, I didn't realize you you did anything other than kettlebells. I was like, you didn't. <laughs> uh, I was like, I don't even. I was like, I was like, I only did kettlebell only for two between 2002 and 2006. And even then, I was doing body weights and sprinting and other stuff. 2006, I started adding stuff back in, but. I don't even teach kettlebells anymore. And you thought all I do is kettlebells? <laughs> you know, it's, like, it's, it's like, catch up, man. It's like you're, you're on my Facebook page, so obviously you follow my work to some extent. You think that you would have caught that at some point. You know? uh, last I heard, I think you should just start being a vegan, right? No, I've been a vegan since then. I know, that's not <laughs> Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That would, that, that would be really funny if someone jumped on there and said that. <laughs> so you're vegan? So then they stopped listening to you. I should be like, well, you know, I do have human meat every once in a while. But besides that, you know, <laughs> no animal meat. But, you and know. you eat at McDonald's, which counts. <laughs> yeah. There you go. I'm opposed to animal <laughs> suffering, but human suffering, not so much. 
they make well, me I'll, suffer. I only, right. I only eat people. I, I take the Hannibal Lecter approach. I only eat people I don't like. You, know, you pissed me off. Exactly. You were rude. <laughs> you know? If you're a cool guy, you have nothing to worry about. Him, Hannibal Lecter is not going to just kill anybody. Right. You, know? you got to be a jerk. <laughs> oh, you can you can edit all that stuff out, right? <laughs> no. We can, but we won't. You know? <laughs> well, you need a blooper episode at one point. We, we need we need something. Our our friend Prince Bell goes for long walks listening to this episode, so we don't want him to be shortchanged on you know, yeah. his ten mile walks. <laughs> we need money. this episode to last long enough for those walks. <laughs> can I go now? <laughs> yes, you know, we all we, we all should. <laughs> Hit the bricks, Thanks man. a lot, man. We, we, won't, we, won't, we won't ask you to be back on the show anytime soon. Don't worry. <laughs> oh, at, at least wait a few months. I have something actually, actually something to say. <laughs> Sounds good. Hey, great having you on, man. Always a pleasure. Great you take care. All right, all right take, take care. care have a good one. Bye. Yeah, so anyway, uh, Christian Thibodeau, he's got a great website. I think his website is Tib Army now. Check that out, tibarmy.com, or just check him out on Twitter if that's incorrect. But he's yeah, got, we have the links in the show. Yeah, yeah he, has, he has a lot of excellent information out there. So get to one of his courses, buy one of his videos, get one of his eBooks. Definitely support, you know, support people that are working so hard to put out great information, <laughs> such as us, you know, with these episodes. Exactly. So make sure you, you go to our website, use that coupon code LLA, but go beyond that because, you know, that's supporting our respective businesses. That's not necessarily supporting the show directly. You want to support the show directly, you got to be a Patreon supporter. Exactly. You have to go over to patreon.com slash LLA podcast. And there are different levels over there. Pick a level, get on board, and truly support the show 100% by doing that. All right. So um, other than that, make sure you also get the word out about these shows, man whether they are the free ones or even the Patreon episode. You can share the link to that, too, so other people can get on board and right. become a monthly subscriber as well. By Make sure that you're sharing it on social media since you're already there. You might as well put it to good use and, and stop wasting your time liking all the butt shots that people keep up. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not helping them, man. <laughs> Think about yeah, you're yourself, just re- reinforcing bad behaviors there. Exactly. You, remember, you got to do it for yourself, so that's why you need to go ahead and share this episode because this is your favorite show. So... Yeah, make sure you promote it out there. Help us with this. So, yeah, exactly. make sure you do that on social media and on TuneIn, Stitcher, iTunes. Give those reviews. Let people know just how much you love your show because it's all about you. And <laughs> let them know that, man. So, other than that, I've got nothing else. I mean, we don't really give a fuck about you like when we line up guests. <laughs> but 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 we want you to benefit from that. Like my dad was asked. My dad's like, oh, you know, do you take surveys to find out what kind of people, what pe- who people want? I was like, I don't give a fuck who people want on the show. <laughs> You know, it is not like I'm saying F you to the audience. It's just like I don't I, I'm I'm focusing on people I know that you and I sincere will be interested in when I go out to get people because if we're not interested, guess what? The audience is not gonna be interested. The audience either. is not gonna be interested. So yeah, so even people they've never heard of is like, Wow, it's like those guys sound like they had a good time and then the audience has a good time. I, I can sit there and some people have people on their shows, I'm just like, Oh, and I'm moving on. So if you're still listening now, that means you actually give a damn about this show. We're not going <laughs> to so have a guy on for two hours if we don't enjoy talking to him. And we're going to oh, cut no, that well, off. We won't even make it to two hours. <laughs> we won't even make it to two hours. It's like, after a while, Mike's like, so what about you, Sincere? And then it's like, that's always a bad time. Yeah, Sincere is like, he has the mic on mute and he's making coffee right now. When, when someone <laughs> who's as, as verbose as I am has to try to deflect to you and be like, hey, Sincere, you got anything to say? That's bad, because I usually have too much to say. You know? And usually my reply is like, nope, I'm good. You hear a Sincere <laughs> shouting from the other room, nope, keep going. I'm good, man. <laughs> <laughs> <Straight>. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, oh, fortunately, yeah. we haven't had that in a long time. I mean, oh I, my I can't God. really. Probably since like the first, I, I like, can't think of really the last time we had a boring guest. I mean, last year oh we had God. a really good year. Last year we just had so many good guests. Last year, for example, and so many good ones lined up this year. So fortunately, that's not something that happens often. That was like from the early days, you know, just kind of yeah, finding our first footing. year. Yeah, and, yeah, exactly. exactly. So, and even then, I can only think of like maybe two or three, and then right. out of two out of those three. You guys will never know because you never heard those episodes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they never made it. It's not, it's not like we air those episodes. If an episode exactly. sucks, it's not like we have an obligation to air it. We're not going to air that shit. And then on the other one, it's just like, well, honestly, we didn't get a damn thing. To, we didn't get a chance to say a damn thing. It's just like the person just took over the whole show. It became yeah. like a marketing tool for them. It was like, okay, and that'll never happen right. again. Right. And kind of right. changed our perspective of that person as, as far as like seeing them. Now it's like, okay, kind of lost the fan, buddy. So yeah. I wasn't expecting that. So it's like one of those things. It's one of the things I used to hate about being in the music industry. It's like all these artists that I love as a fan, but then once I started working with them and with the record yeah. label, and yeah. then actually, you know, I had to take these guys around and babysit them, I end up like to the point now I can't even stand to even hear anything from them. Because all I can do is think about I can think about that experience that I had with them is like, oh or somebody's like, oh man, I love so and so. I said, fuck that guy. (laughs) 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 I've been I've been fortunate that you know some of the bands I've looked up to, I've managed to actually know them, like Harley and the Chrome Eggs, and Harley's a friend and he's a cool guy and someone that I've developed a nice friendship with. So I I don't have that negative association with the Chrome Eggs. so, but there's other bands I can think of where I met the person. I was like, man, that guy was a real dickhead. And like now you can't listen to the band anymore. You're like, well, on one hand, you want to know because you don't want to support that. But on the other hand, it's kind of disappointing because you're like, man, I used to like listening to that band, but I can't do it now just in good faith, <laughs> just in good conscience. We'll catch you guys on the next premium episode. That's what's coming up. All next. right. If you want to hear that, you know what you need to go do. Get over to Patreon, become a subscriber because uh, pretty much – for the most of the month, that's what you'll be hearing, premium episodes for our subscribers. So, yeah, there you go. Get on it. All right, folks. Yeah, get over we're going to wrap it up. Catch you next Take time. Take care, everyone.